All right, now listen here. Uh-huh. I need to make a controversial stance. All oh, right? boy. I Listen, all the controversy we, we were bringing last week, you're going to bring some more? All right, let's let's hear it. Well, listen, there's some issues need talking about right here, and they need somebody standing up for them, and I think I'm the guy. Now, this might come across as a hot take, but you uh-huh. listen here. I think you're going to see my side of things, all right? Okay, let's let's hear it. Because I'm here this week to be talking in support of the male gaze, all right? Okay, all right. I mean, you don't hear a lot of this, but uh, okay, let's hear it. Well, no, it seems like about all you hear about it is, oh, the male gaze does nothing but turn our women into just nice things to look at, turns them into pieces of meat and so on, right? Uh uh-huh, right, right, right. Near as I can tell, Mm the way I always figured, right? about every... About, about every time I've seen the male gays, uh-huh. they ain't doing nothing but looking at other gay fellers, because that's what they's into. They ain't even into the women. You know what? You're right. I, listen, I don't know how we got so backwards on this. The male gays aren't aren't causing the problem, I guess. Why no? If anything, it seems like the male straights is the one always ogling the women folk. <laughs> And hey, That's this right. might be controversial. A lot of uh-huh. people don't want to talk about this. Uh-huh. I think them female gays is probably more likely to do it than the male gays. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, it's true. The female gays does do need to be like really uh, looked at for this because they they do look at women and find them sexually attractive. The male gays do not. Wow. No, why no? Wow. I you think it's ridiculous. They think these fucking male gays are turning women into pieces of meat. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I think it, they need standing up for. Speaking of male gays turning people into pieces of meat, Dahmer. <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh man! That was a twist I was not anticipating. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> like it got me breaking character over here. Oh, oh God! Ooh, that came out of left field. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god many surprises are coming for you guys on the newest installment of dead and lovely here with the host of the most it's me your good buddy uncle ben and me hollywood steve <laughs> the male gaze i the thought about gaze. that earlier this week and i was like uh-huh. oh my god like i've been sitting on that for like five or six days like I'm i have gl- to fucking talk about this <laughs> i'm glad it came so out. stupid <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode we're going to be talking about the Wickerman from 1973. Mm-hmm. Not that newfangled one with the Nick Cage in it. We're talking no. about the old Tommy one here. But I'm sure we will talk about the Nick Cage yes, one a little bit in the process. Yes, we have to. And I don't want to get too much into it because we have to cover it sometime. That movie's crazy. Oh, my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But this is great. Um, but, yeah, it's fucking fantastic. And I'm looking forward to talking about it. If you want to get straight to the movie review portion, there's a timestamp for you in the yep. podcast description. Right down there. But before we get there, we're going to do our usual chin wagon bullshit and uh, all that other good stuff here as we break this episode wide apart. Dude, I appreciate you getting together a little bit earlier today so I can go make that big time rock show going on yeah. in Knoxville. Uh, my buddies in Revocation and Morbid Angel are going to be rocking oh, okay. the town tonight. Hell yeah. Sounds like a fun time. It'll be a good old time. I look forward to doing a little little thrashing, little yeah. head banging. You know yeah. what I mean? Just a little rocking and rolling like you do. So it'll be a good old time, man. Um, and it'll be fun, too, because I've had another very fucking busy week. 
Uh, yeah. Big shocker there. How about you? How's your week been? Oh, it's also been busy and wild, but uh, yeah, I, I it, a lot of mundane shit, unfortunately, that just had to get done. A lot. We we sure. finally, I finally got the garage fully in order. This is where my studio I've set up in the garage, but it was it was just chaos behind me, and now I've got everything in order. It looks nice. Uh, I'm I'm happy to finally have it done. Every time I walk in here now, I don't. Uh, get that like you know when you have something you know you have to do and every time you look yeah. at it you're just like fuck man oh fuck it's that yeah. thing <laughs> yeah i'm glad that that's gone what have you been up to man i've just been fucking rocking and rolling and trying to stay on top of all these uh projects and these plates i got spinning like i was talking about last week mm-hmm. it has been mm-hmm. it has been a lot going on but uh so far so good and uh mischief has been managed so far <laughs> uh, barely had time to watch but just a few things this week but they was uh mostly good things i watched okay cool what you been what you been watching on well, uh, just last night, Kate and I went and watched Renfield in theaters. Oh, we did a minisode yeah. on it that uh-huh. just came out. And uh, if you listen to it, you know we liked it long time. It is okay. a blast, dude. It is fucking Good. so fun, man. Yeah, yeah. I the, the, the previews had me sold. I don't remember what we saw them before. I think it might have been um, uh, Megan. But, cocaine uh, Bear or something. Yeah. Maybe Cocaine Bear, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the previews had me sold. And uh, I'm glad to hear everybody's liking it. I, I've only heard good things about it, so I'm, I'm excited yeah. to get to see it. It really delivers, dude. It's like finally a P, uh, or sorry, a, a horror comedy that's not PG-13 that doesn't skimp on the gore oh, and okay. it's still really fucking funny. Awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot, man. I think you'll like it a lot too. That's cool, dude. We watched Edward Scissorhands the other day. Oh, I don't yeah? think I had seen that movie since I was in like single digits, man. Uh, was he cutting up some suburban women's hair? He sure was. He was uh-huh. chippity chopping, also uh-huh. doing some landscaping on some yep. large, um, sure. uh, uh, you know, hedge animals and so uh-huh. forth. Topiary, they call that. That's what them's called, mm-hmm. dude. I uh, I remember renting that movie several times when I was like a kid. For, mm-hmm. That was like one of those ones that it would yeah. always be like, oh, let's rent a movie. Could we get Edward Scissorhands again? In reality, you know how it is. I probably rented it two or three times, <laughs> right? Uh, but it seemed like one of those ones that I watched my entire childhood. And man, I don't really know why I was allowed to watch that movie as a kid. <laughs> like looking back <laughs> on the things that I was allowed and right. not allowed to watch for various reasons. One? I don't know why that one <laughs> slipped through the radar. Like no clue. Not that it's like racy or anything like that, but it just seems way, way weirder than anything I watched as a kid. Yeah. It, um, I, I watched it as a kid too. And I, I do remember it being uh, a little bit odd, but of course I watched a lot of movies like that as a kid. I can't imagine poor little Ben <laughs> straight from the kitchen table, just having his lesson about how dinosaurs are a conspiracy. Sitting down, <laughs> dude, right? Edward Scissorhands and being like, Holy this shit. Is, this is blowing my fucking mind. <laughs> So crazy. It is an awesome flick, though, man. I really, really did enjoy it a lot. It's sad. Makes you feel a sad feeling. It is. Yeah, it's a sad movie. And, like, uh, a lot of great performances in there. I really uh, need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a while. But it it is. I always liked the way. Because, like, Burton's really good at juxtaposing, like, super bright, kind of tacky, gaudy with the super goth darkness. And that movie's probably the best example of that. Totally, dude. Totally. Yeah, a very enjoyable flick, man. I liked it a lot. 
Um, I had a couple nights there where I was up late practicing some guitar, and I just needed something cool visual on the TV, so I put on Mandy. God damn, dude. Yeah. Fucking Mandy rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A visual feast for sure. And a blast. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I just always manage to forget how much fucking cool shit there is. Like, there's a chainsaw fight in There's it. a chainsaw fight. <laughs> he has, like, a fucking axe and shit. It's so cool. <laughs> There's Richard Brake with a pet tiger. Why not? There's all kinds of weird stuff in that movie. There's <laughs> a weirdness going on. The tiger's like, is the tiger on LSD? I can't remember. <laughs> I think because he's like, it's good stuff. I can tell because she's calm or right. some shit like that. God oh, damn, that is an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. It is so fucking awesome, man. Uh, but not as strange as what we experienced on uh, Sunday where we used our... Our season Broadway passes uh, uh-huh. for the the Bijou, or sorry the Tennessee Theater here in town, uh-huh. and uh, went and saw Cats, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how how was it? It was improved by being on mind expanding uh, stuff. Oh fuck, <laughs> that's yes. the right way to see it. I love I love that way of seeing things for sure. Um, so I have. I have zero interest in cats. Just zero. What, yeah. What What would you say is the highlight of cats? Well, here's the thing. You know, you might say you're not interested in cats, but what if I told you that they're jellical cats? Oh, they're huh? jellical? Oh, fuck. I didn't yeah. realize they were jellical. Boy. Yeah, it's a totally uh, different kind of ball game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, is, does one of them have a name that you might give your brother if you caught him jerking off? A rum tum tugger, yeah, it's probably who you're thinking of, yeah. That would be him. Yep, yep. Um, they spend a lot of time talking about what it means to be a, a jellical cat. Right. And things that <laughs> jellical cats do and don't uh-huh. do. I'm somehow <laughs> still unclear on what a jellical cat might be. Right, um, yeah, they don't really... Not really clear on that. Yeah, for some reason, despite all the defining they do, it never becomes clear exactly no. what a no. jellical huh. cat is. Hmm. It is such a piece of shit. Like, the entire thing is nothing but, like, I am a cat, and this is what I do. This is me. (laughs) Stuff about me. And then, like, after that's done, it's like, holy shit, here comes Big Tom. He's a cat, and he is here. Like, it's nothing but character introductions over and over and over. Yep. And it's just cats telling us about themselves rather than just showing us them being cool or whatever it's like i'm magical mr mistopheles are you gonna do anything magic hell no no. (laughs) i'm gonna tell you about it though sure uh remember in uh unbreakable kimmy schmidt there's the joke (laughs) like that cats yes everybody who's in cats was uh, a aspiring actor who just dressed up like a cat and then just tried to sneak on stage yeah, you just show up and you're on. You just show on up and say what kind of cats, cats you night. are, and boom, you're in cats. <laughs> it all really just reeks of like an inside joke that got way out of control to me. Yeah, you know, it does, it does, and it's based off of T. S. Eliot's, uh, you know, book of cats or whatever it was. I don't remember the name of it. It was like a poem or something. Yeah, yeah, it's based off that, but like based off the idea that cats exist, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> uh, I I cannot understand. 
I cannot understand why this has been like such a huge production and been on Broadway for like a million years. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's totally like an Emperor's New Clothes scenario where somebody was just like, "Oh yeah, really cool people like this. Do you like it? Yeah, I totally like yeah, it. Yeah, it so sense. great. Uh-huh. Yeah, everybody the, understands the songs. It. Yeah, the cats. I mean, it's what's well, there not to like? You know. <laughs> I really do want somebody to make like a really, you know, um, a, a super dingy off-Broadway production that's that's called Ferrets, and it's all about like ferrets in a trailer. <laughs> right. Somebody ferrets is hoarding them or trailer. something, you know? Right. Yeah. Ferrets. Be fun. Uh, I'm meth ferret. I bite the shit out of you. I'm meth ferret. Yeah. I do that too. We're all meth <laughs> ferrets because we live in this trailer. <laughs> The story writes itself, honestly. Yeah, it sounds great. Meth ferrets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you you mention uh, getting a lot more entertainment out of something because of mind-expanding drugs. And Ben, let me tell you a little story. I walked to uh, the nearby uh, a cannabis monger. I said, ahoy there, cannabis monger. What's, <laughs> monger. <laughs> what's fresh and cheap? And he said to me... Why, here's an ounce of weed for thirty dollars. And that's I, too good to be true. I yes. I looked uh askance and askew and all sorts of different ways. Uh and kept saying aloud, I can't imagine what weed that costs thirty dollars an ounce is like. Uh, so I bought it. Because, you know, <laughs> like what do you lose here? Um I bought it and I, I brought it home and uh, I, I, I tried it and it instantly got me very high. Um, and I turned on, I, I had been wanting to watch it. There's a, there's a, a WWE wrestler. I don't know if you know of him named Gunther. He used to be called Walter back in the NXT days. Uh, and I had been interested in watching some of his matches because I, I hadn't really seen him do much. So I, I had turned on his matches with uh, Ilya Dragunov in NXT. Dude, you have to see these matches. Some yeah? of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And it's just pure wrestling. Uh, and it's amazing. But shit, I was so fucking stoned. I was sitting eyes wide, mouth agape, just... It was like I was a kid watching wrestling again, just like, oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so I just want to send praise (laughs) to the guy at Five O Trees who sold me a $30 ounce of weed. That's really, really good. Thank you, bro. That's amazing. He hooked yeah. up big time. He did. They were having like a, a big 420 sale, so that's that's it's not normally that price, but fuck yeah, man. It was it was awesome. Fuck so, yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Did you watch anything else this week? Yeah, we've we've watched all sorts of stuff. Um we watched a little movie called Hairspray 2007. I mentioned we Ooh. watched uh the John Waters Hairspray. Um and I had never seen the the musical so, I okay. One, it, it's a fun time. Uh, it's 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 a fun time. I'm not gonna say in the least bit that I wasn't sitting there having a blast, just moving to the music, enjoying myself. Two, it loses so much of the bite of the John Waters movie. It is so fucking like, eh. It, it's like a it's kind of just like a weak fart in comparison mm. to the big old butt blast of. Uh, 
<laughs> the original hairspray. <laughs> but the performances are great, and and like everybody in it's great. Fucking uh, Zac Efron, Britney Stowe, Nikki Blonsky who plays. Uh, I always forget the character's name. Uh, the Ricky Lake character. Um, yeah, she yeah. was great too. Um, but yeah, I, I just it's it's missing it's missing that John Waters twist. Though there was a, a cool little like um, John Waters cameo as a a flasher on the street. Nice. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, so yeah, here's for 2007. Okay. Uh, I mentioned last week that we had watched Clerks, so we moved on, watched a little Mall Rats. Fuck yeah, it just makes sense, man. Dude, Chocolate-covered um, pretzel? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that movie holds up really well. Like, it's, it's great. real fun and funny, and doesn't have a ton of problematic elements to it. Um, no, I mean, the things that are problematic are supposed to be from dirtbag right. characters like Ben right. Affleck. So exactly. it's like, well, yeah, you're not supposed to like that guy. <laughs> right. Though, uh, you know, Jason Lee drops the, the, the R-bomb uh, several times. Uh, but, he, sure. you know, Jason Lee's character, again, he, he farted while his girlfriend's giving him a blowjob. He's not a good guy. Not uh, a good guy. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Anna and I had a blast with Mallrats. I hadn't seen it in a while, and she had, had never seen it. Very much enjoyed it. Um, so good. Then we watched Chasing Amy. Um, man, that movie's boring. You know, it, it does take its time. It does it's, take its sweet time. It's like two hours. It's a two-hour rom-com that I think it, the, I mean, it's interesting because like, you know, knowing Kevin Smith, you know, he's a good boy and he's trying his yeah. best, but it's also just a reminder, like even when you're trying your best, maybe like talk to people and get more actual like because like the movie is about a woman who is a professed lesbian uh, who just has to have ben affleck with the most hideous evil goatee ever made like oh yeah, yeah yeah that'll turn you around but i mean it i, I it does it's dealing with a, a person realizing they're bisexual which is interesting but it's kind of just the way it's dealt with is a little eh. though at the time it was it was it was big because there weren't a lot of things even dealing in that area so sure you know yeah. you don't want you don't want to throw the the baby out with the bathwater there for sure but definitely i think if kevin smith had a second go around with it he might do things differently a little bit even i, I mean, even with, I, right. I still think you could have a lesbian character realize she's bisexual etc but like i i don't and, it, and it, it does deal with how that basically is social death to her but doesn't deal with it enough it's far more focused on ben affleck and his feelings and it's just like eh, i don't really care about this character he sucks <laughs> <laughs> uh there's some good stuff in it but yeah I agree yeah there is oh absolutely there's there's some good stuff but but yeah it, it was surprising though because mall rats failed at the box office and the chasing chasing amy made like more than 12 times its budget so wow yeah it's it's weird um we also watched saved Dude, Which, it's been so long since I watched that one. That's one of those ones that like so many people don't know, but so many people need to see. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jenna Malone, uh, Mandy Moore. Uh, fucking Kevin McAllister's on there. Uh, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, Macaulay. Yeah. Um, man, great movie. Still holds up. Uh, you know, it also, again, it's it's a early 2000s movie. It's got some stuff you don't say anymore, but again, it's also being said by people who suck. So... Yeah, it works. Um, 
Dude, uh, yeah. especially if you like grew up in eighties, nineties, you know, youth group Christian purity right. culture, Absolutely. must watch. Must watch. Yes, if you grew up uh, Christian in, in that in that way, or in any uh, strict sort of way, I think you'll you'll definitely connect to it. Uh, then we we also watched a newer movie that I have been wanting to see, just had hadn't sat down and done it. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Man, I'm dying to watch that. That's one that was on Kate and I's watch list this week, and we just ended up having so many things to do that we never got around to watching it. Um, right. I've heard it's kind of got like clue vibes, like murder mystery vibes and stuff. Yeah, How was it? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a whodunit, which, you know, I, I don't love whodunits, but it it because it's, it's more of a, a comedy at times. It gets very serious, but it's more of a comedy at times. It's definitely like... You know, uh, some of the people that that haven't enjoyed it, looking at their critiques of it, it's like I don't think you get that they're making fun of the thing that you think is bad about it. Like a lot of the kids talk like like they're you know terminally online, and it's like yeah, but like that those are real people. People are like yeah. that sometimes. <laughs> like totally. Um. So yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies. Fucking had a blast with it. Uh, everybody in it's great. <laughs> Pete Davidson was great though. I was. I was making fun of him, as I do every time I see Pete Davidson, because I'm just constantly reminded, like, this dude gets it in. Everybody's trying to fuck Pete Davidson, and he looks like, he looks like that kid at the pool that you would you would show up at the pool, and he's been there somehow an hour, and he never leaves the pool, <laughs> and you're like, do you have parents? He looks like that kid. <laughs> that is a type and yes it does look like that he does. wow uh-huh. i never knew that was a type of person but here we are there we are yeah um then uh we watched uh this is the end the old um uh seth rogan and jay baruchel and uh, jonah hill kenny fucking Morrison, powers kenny powers himself yeah uh and and craig robinson and fucking hermione everybody's in that movie everybody of that time essentially all the all the popular kind of comic actors of that that time are in that movie uh michael Sarah in his absolute best role as himself oh my god michael Sarah, the michael Sarah, just being a huge piece of shit just being a maniac that was something that really delighted me about that movie is yeah. that he, like i'm not really a huge fan of that guy but right. in that movie it's like he hits the scene and he's just a fucking lunatic i love and it's it great i love it yeah uh yeah that, that movie is is still fun um uh, then we watched 22 Jump Street, which I have not seen before, and yeah. fuck, it's so much better than the first one. It's so meta. It's funny, and right? Right. Yeah. Not yep. that the first one's terrible, but it, it, it the second one really fucking moves, and it just remains funny, and all the meta elements are really, really funny. Like, they just keep talking about what a sequel is. They're, like, calling out the trope they're doing, but it's, like, in, in, a, in a funny way. Um... Yeah, I, I had fun with that one, too. Ah, yeah, it's good, man. But then, on Friday night, on the Screaming Chat, where we get together on uh, Discord and watch a shitty movie. Sometimes we watch a good movie, but in this case, we watch a shitty movie. We watch a movie called Dolly Dearest, which is a, you know, um, uh, a, a evil doll movie. And Oh, I was hoping it was an evil Dolly Parton movie. That would have been more no interesting. Oh, shit, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> she takes books away from children. That's her thing. Yeah. Don't have a book when Dolly Parton comes around. Uh, Ooh, tagline. Yeah. Dolly Dears. It was okay. I mean, I think if I had paid more attention to it, I'd probably enjoy it more. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, this is Killer Doll movie. Whatever. Whatever. I didn't pay as much attention to it as I need to to fully enjoy it, but everybody seemed to be okay-ish with it. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bog, it's it's on Shutter. It's fine, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. And that's we'll just all wait until the sequel rolls around Boggs, which is about Wade Boggs. Fuck yeah. That man <laughs> drank 60 beers on a cross-country flight. <laughs> yeah. <and> then went <laughs> three for four. Legendary. Right. Legendary. I, Wade I, Boggs. I love how it just changes every time the story is told. But like... It's pretty, but that his teammates all think it's credible. Like any number of people say, they're all like, "Yeah, maybe he probably did." Bogs drink a lot <laughs> of beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I bet though, a movie about Wade Boggs would be really scary if you yourself were a beer. <laughs> it's you just know? a movie about a thirsty Wade Boggs, and beers are like, ah, shit. <laughs> He's gonna drink me. Yeah. <laughs> They all run to hide behind a keg, and the keg is like, I'm no protection for you. He'll drink me. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of beer, I think I might have me one. Oh, you going to have yourself a beer? Yeah, you, and I've got, to, uh, I've got to turn around here to the refrigerator and oh. get it, because I forgot that this is in the fridge. So keep these people entertained for a moment while I grab myself a burr. Hey, everybody, the Butster showed up again. It's me. I'm here to talk about Bud Light, of course. You've been wondering what's the Butster thing about the Bud Light thing, and I'll tell you what. Just listen to me right here. Listen to me right now. I hate Bud Light, and let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. They had that pretty lady, and they gave her the cans, and I think we're mad about it. I'm not sure. I'll, listen, the Butster doesn't keep up with news as much as I keep up with outrage. So I'm outraged uh, about the pretty lady getting cans. God. Don't give pretty I, ladies I cans. 30 <laughs> seconds and this fucking guy shows up. <laughs> this fucking guy. I'm out. Don't buy Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would avoid it just because it's like a shitty beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that is that, that is unfortunate for them that like if they had just been an okay beer uh you know a bunch of people would have embraced it and ran out and bought some to be like yeah i support uh you know trans people um but instead it was like uh it's real dumb that you're blowing up your beer but you know we're not gonna buy it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well what i've got right here man is a a little bit of homebrew by my buddy josh he made himself oh. uh some homemade beer here that is based off of a recipe copy of raison d'etre by oh. uh, dogfish head you ever had that uh i have not is is it uh is it something i would need to get into what's it taste like yes i don't even know if they make it anymore because i've not seen it in forever but i feel like i don't really see as much dogfish head stuff as i used to like i feel like i used to see a lot of their stuff around and now at least here in tennessee it's like you got the 60 you got the 90 minute ipa you got sequench and those are like the main ones i see they used to have a lot of stuff yeah they did i think maybe you know you got so much local distribution maybe you just don't have as much shelf space for every dogfish head who knows yeah yeah this is like a a belgian ish ale that's brewed with ah, a bunch of raisins and stuff in it 
Okay, yeah. And mm-hmm. it is phenomenal, dude. Josh did an amazing job on it. It's about 8%-ish ABV, he said. That's awesome. It's fantastic, man. It's really fucking good. It's got a good amount of spiciness to it, like you'd expect out of a Belgian. A subtle amount of sweetness, just to kind of like cover up some of the alcohol and everything. Mm-hmm. A good kind of raisiny sweetness, though. It's not like a sugary kind of thing. It's so fucking good, man. He did a good job. Josh is one of those guys that is like a, you know, measure 30 times, cut once kind of guy. He's like yeah, very exact yeah, very with meticulous. all his weights and uh-huh. measurements. Mm-hmm. Very meticulous, yeah. So, uh, brewing of of ale suits him well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I um i I don't drink a lot of beer these days, but I did get that package from from Roger recently that was full of so much great stuff, and like I really just wanted to to call out right quick. One of them that he sent that I had that was just so fucking good. The Jackie O's Dark Apparition Russian Imperial Stout. Wow. Holy shit, dude. Um, it, was, it was 10% zero burn, and it just tasted like a perfectly like caramel, like chocolatey, coffee, malty type of uh, stout. So fucking good. Damn, man. That sounds amazing. Yeah. How's that? How's that? How's that treating you over? It's treating me just fine. It is mighty nice on a beautiful Tennessee afternoon such as we have right now. I'm also declaring this the springtime of spritz, man. I made my first Aperol spritz yesterday oh, after yeah? the movies. Fuck, man. I love, I love yeah. an Aperol spritz. It is I, a listen, fucking delight. Good stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever and had a Hugo spritz? A Hugo spritz? Uh, yeah. No, but didn't he wrestle in the 60s? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Hugo Spritz. <laughs> Finished you off uh-huh. with a strong pile driver. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually Hugo Spritz or whatever. Hugo but I, I have one in, in New York, dude, and it is another, you know, kind of like, like an Aperol Spritz kind of drink, and it is mm-hmm. so fucking good. It's got Prosecco and St. Germain. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. A little bit of crushed mint. I think there's a lemon slice in there and a little bit of soda water on top. Oh, God yeah. damn, it's so good. I like I it so much. I just went out and got like a bottle of St. Germain as soon as I got back from New York. So <laughs> I'm going to be spritzing through the summer and springtime this year. Hell I'll tell yeah. you what. This is the summer of spritz. That's right. I've declared it. I've declared it. Keep up, fools. Unless you're rushing. It's, it's not the summer of spritz. Which is heroin. No way, really? Yeah. So it's not it's oh. not the summer of heroin, Russians. Don't worry. <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> All right, man. The subject of today's show is the Wicker Man. And uh-huh. uh, in our talking about this, after we decided to do this on the show, I said to you, man, that'd be like the weakest Mega Man boss ever. Uh-huh. Wicker it would Man? Be. Absolutely. Be a terrible Mega It'd be Man boss. So easy to beat him because the Mega Man bosses are all some kind of man. It's always some kind of man, and they got some kind of power. What's connected to him? And I uh-huh. think before we get to the movie review ski, we need to talk about some other potential weakest Mega Man bosses. It just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's got to be some of them as we step into <laughs> the Preview Palace. Welcome oh. to the Preview Palace. That's right, man. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some weak ass, just feeble mm-hmm. Mega Man bosses, dude. One of the ones that comes to mind first for me is how easy it would be to defeat Sunglasses Man. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. All you gotta do is take him to the beach, right? You get lost. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're not gonna it's find gone. him. <laughs> uh-uh. It's over. The fight's over before it began. Right. Um, I was kind of thinking before you you fight him. You know, going in the typical Mega Man stage order. First, you gotta beat Big Butt Man. Before you fight sunglasses, man, yeah, you use the yeah. big butt powers, yeah, and you just sit on them, and it's it's one hit, it's over. You don't want to beat Forgetful Man before Big Butt Man, though, because if you use Forgetful mm, yeah. Man's powers, instantly those glasses are crushed. Though that will kill sunglasses, <laughs> man. That's true too. It's a trifecta. It's a new thing they're doing in the Mega Man games, where like you got weaknesses and strengths. I like it. I think it sounds pretty fun, man. Sounds pretty fun. Um, he's definitely got to be up there in terms of weakness with phone screen, man. That guy, dude. Oh, man. Total pushover. That guy will crack at the slightest uh, moment. Like, you never know. He could be shattered from, uh, you know, left side of the screen to right, this guy. <laughs> Confession. Knock on wood. I've never cracked a phone screen. I don't want to say... Because I don't want to knock on wood, but I also have not. So let's not do Look that. At us. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're the lucky. clean screen club over we here. Are, huh? We are very fortunate that we have not. Because man, that would fucking suck. I have always used spec cases as well. So spec, if you want to send me some money or a free case, <laughs> there you go. There's mm. your advertisement. <laughs> I've uh, used uh, like OtterBox cases for a long time. Oh yeah, and they've always kept my stuff pretty damn well protected. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think basically just put it in a case should be all right, right? Yeah, should be all right. I'm trying to think of what power I would need to beat cell phone screen man. I think maybe uh, you beat concrete man. Yeah, first. yeah, yeah. If you if you beat <laughs> maybe he's named Road Man. He's just <laughs> Road as- man. He's just asphalt, and you know. <laughs> How are you going to defeat Wine Stem Man? Wine stem man. Now listen, here's the thing about a wine stem uh, and a wine glass in general. Uh, if you, if you give it to me to wash, gosh, there's probably a one in three chance that motherfucker's gonna break. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but they'll like I'll just be like cleaning the inside, and it's like wine stem breaks or chip off of the old top or whatever. Like, what the hell is up man. with wine glass? <laughs> Listen, I know that, like, you know, the the actual body part of a wine glass is all specifically shaped to enhance right. the, the aroma and the sipping and all that well. kind of stuff. But, like, <laughs> I think big wine glass is uh-huh. keeping us in the dark about those stiletto little fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, wine stems that we're supposed to hang on to. There's no way. That ain't even making it through the dishwasher. Why don't you just put a horn on the damn side, right? So I can lift it up right. like a handle. Like a, like a fucking coffee cup. There we go. How about a coffee cup instead of a wine glass? Honestly, that's the better way to go. That's what I'm doing like, from okay, now on. Like, legit, what would be wrong with this? If you had Nothing. a wine glass uh-huh. with a fucking thumb loop on it, so you're not heating up the glass and right. you know messing with the temperature and stuff, but you can hang on to the motherfucker, set it down on a flat surface, mm-hmm. and not worry about it fucking breaking on a whim. I, w- I will point huh. this out that... M- all the different wine glass shapes are bullshit. <laughs> they're bullshit. <laughs> they were just bullshit. They were just marketed to rich people who are stupid. They're they're bullshit. There's no you reason. You think for there's them. a conspiracy with big wine glasses? I do. I think big wine glasses full of shit. If you look at if you watch like Italian mobster movies and you see them drinking wine, it's just in a cup. 
you know they're they growing know the how wine. To do it too. They're making the wine. I bet they know how to drink the wine. Just put it in a damn cup. <laughs> what, what power are you going to use to defeat wine glass stemman? Uh, uh, for me, uh, I, I guess I'd have to uh, defeat um, uh, 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 a dishwashing uh, liquid man first. <laughs> Dishwasherman. <laughs> yeah. The moment I start washing that wine glass, it's going to be broken. <laughs> Dishwasherman. Dishwasherman. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a 1950s comic detective. The name yeah. is Dish. Dishwasherman. <laughs> I love See, it. See, I think I that, that I would I would use the powers of Move Man. Oh yeah, there you in, go. In which yeah. you're gonna you're gonna throw him in a box and put him in a bumpy U-Haul truck. Yeah. Uh huh. Dude, let me <laughs> tell you. By the way, a story that kind of contradicts what I'm saying. Because when oh. I unpacked uh, Roger uh, uh, a couple years ago, he. He got us a couple of these like uh, wine glasses with, uh, I guess it's more of a beer glass because it's got hops on it, but hops with like uh, horror icon faces on oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, I had done the traditional thing of packing something on the inside and then wrapping it and then packing it. I pulled that thing out and when I went to unroll it, it dropped and I was like in my mind watching it fall like, oh, shit. Sure. And it hit. And didn't break. No way. Yeah. Having something inside of it was enough to stop the vibration to the point that it just didn't break. So if you're packing up wine glasses, you definitely should crumble up some paper or crumble up a plastic bag or something and put it in there. That will help them not break. Well, what do you know, man? All right. All right. So you're saying if if wine stem man had beaten Pac-Man before, (laughs) he'd be invincible. (laughs) I love the idea of them introducing a Pac-Man and just being like, what? What? What do you mean? I don't understand. What's wrong with Pac-Man? What, Let's should we make it a woman? An- okay, Mrs. Pac-Man. Oh. How about that? <laughs> now let's talk about a 80s childhood friend that can quickly turn foe if you're not careful with it. Uh-huh. You got to go head to head with Slip and Slide, man. Oh, shit. Boy. I mean, okay. So those things will rip, uh, you know, pretty pretty easily. But they also can be... De- like, if Slip and Slide Man were to go up against Kid Man, probably going to win three times out of four, right? Like, the kid's yeah, going to be like, yeah. ah, my damn arm or whatever, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but... The minute that a kid is fighting Slip and Slide Man and he's got Rock Man's powers, just the occasional <laughs> yes. rock sticking up out of Slip the grass in the backyard, ripped. <laughs> it's over, dude. Yeah. It's fucking over. Yeah, you better hope uh, that uh, Rock Man doesn't go up against Asshole Man. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh. Unsavory combo. What were we doing? The South is just dirt and rocks. Like, yeah, there's so yes. many rocks in our dirt, and we're just throwing down a slip and slide and like, let's go. I got scratched Dude. up so many damn times. Oh, man. Same. Mm. Yeah. Like, you'd be going down the slip and slide the second time, and you'd be like, why is the water on the slide red? <laughs> oh, it's my blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm bleeding. Got it. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got it. Man, we'd like soap it down. Like, we'd, uh-huh, we'd find yes. the steepest hill we could yeah, yeah, and yeah. put fucking, you know, like Dawn dish detergent uh-huh. or whatever on it and just mm-hmm. go 
light speed down the motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did that in college. We got just a bunch of tarps. We didn't even have a slip and slide. Just a bunch of tarps. And we just. Uh, I mean, yeah. what else is it? Dish it is a yellow tarp. Absolutely. There you go. It's fun as hell. And actually, you know what? I bet Tarp Man can stand up to Rock Man. He's Abs- tough. Yeah, Tarp Man's not got a problem. It's just stupid old slip and slide man who's got the issue. Damn. Damn, that's right, man. <laughs> okay, what about Christmas Ornament Man? He's a pushover, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially just your little little weak-ass little bulb Christmas ornament. Yeah, especially if you beat Cat Man before him. You got Catman's powers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got. You don't even have to fight. You just lay back and let it happen. Yeah, it's just gonna happen at some point. <laughs> that cat is gonna destroy <laughs> that Christmas ornament. <laughs> now we know about Mega Man. Right. What if he was to fight Maga Man? How would he? <laughs> how would he defeat Maga Man? Oh, that's, I mean, one he could just have a Bud Light can, I guess. Yeah, it's over at that yeah, point. Or just, just walk be- into a room and go, a black mermaid, and they just melt right, down, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they just be in tears telling you about how <laughs> it's the fall of Western civilization or whatever. Sure, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> Assholes. That'd be a really easy one. You it know? would be, it would be. I mean, yeah, you could just call the cops on them as well. They were probably at January 6th. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, we have footage of you, sir. Yeah, hey, I'm over here with you Manga Man. Us. The cops like yes, <laughs> and I am Maga Man as well. They all show oh, up shit. and fight on his side. <laughs> <laughs> now here's one that, especially if you're fighting him in the United States, is just gonna be. I'm talking beyond easy mode. You ready for this? Right, let's hear it. Hazardous chemicals transportation man. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! He's easy to beat. He's just eventually gonna fall off the rails, right? I guess yeah. If you have Train Man's powers, <laughs> yeah, it's no problem, right? Oh Jesus, <laughs> fights over before it even starts. You know who'd struggle with that guy? American politician huh. man. <laughs> yeah, right. We're also, gonna rebuild uh, stronger that, and stuff. Uh, that's a good week one too. American politician man beaten by. Boy, uh, being given money, basically. <laughs> Here you basically go. Here's anything. some money. Okay. This space for rent. I mean, he's got to be stronger than the plot of Lost Man. <laughs> the plot of Lost Man. That dude's weak. That dude is weak. And I know this is a little super controversial easy. with some of our some of our listeners, but yeah, the plot of Lost, super weak. All you gotta have to beat him is to first defeat. Just think about it for even two seconds, man. Right. <laughs> You, you got him. You show up to the plot of Lost Man and you're like, so it's like purgatory? And it's like, no, no, it's not that. Yeah. No, it's but Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly But eventually, that. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. You figured it out. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the ones I encounter frequently okay. as a person who likes to eat, you know, semi-healthy and uh-huh. on the go pretty often Right. There is none more fragile out there than travel banana that has been separated from the bunch man. <laughs> is that right? Dude. I, I don't know that I've ever bought a travel banana. 
Um, I'm telling you, man, dude, if you're if you're going on a long car trip somewhere and you're like, I'll just break off one of these nanners before I leave. It'll be a pristine curved yellow when you leave. Uh huh. And dude, I'm talking like it's like every bump in the road you hit yeah, adds like ten bruised. bruises to the thing. Okay. It's like, Ooh, ow, I'm sensitive without my friends around. <laughs> like bananas look all big and bad when they're in a bunch. Yeah. You know? They look like they're they're hanging tough. <laughs> God, I love where this is going. Yes, oh, this is good. But you separate them from their from their pals, dude, and they are they're just weak and frail. Hang loose, everybody, because we're gonna do our thing, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I okay. think that Travel Man beats Travel Banana Man. Man easy. Travel Man would destroy Banana Man for sure. And you know what? You you uh, eliminate like three Banana Mans, you make banana bread. There you go. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it's pretty good. In the end, it's pretty good. There you go. Eggman's going down without a fight. Oh gosh, you know. And if it's if it's uh you know large carton of Eggman, he's already cracked probably. Every time I buy a large carton of egg, doesn't matter what you do, you can give it the old look through the whole egg thing. You get home, one of them's cracked for sure. It's gonna be cracked. Oh man, always happens. What if it was a beetle though? What if it was that kind of Eggman? <laughs> Well, I can think of a couple things that could beat a beetle. Um, uh, one of them's out of jail. Man. John Hinckley's on tour. So, oh wait, no, Hinckley Ooh. shot Reagan. Never mind. <laughs> 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 I forgot. I think Yoko, Yoko Man. Yoko Man. Yoko Man could definitely uh-huh. defeat him. No yeah. problem. She just shows up and she's like, <laughs> "What was that noise she screeching made?" Screeching whale. That, yeah, that That's screeching whale she made. <laughs> In that one song, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you though, who would be impossible? Like the the hardest boss, the the final boss of this entire thing. It's Nokia sixty one hundred man. Oh yeah, you can't undefeated. What are you gonna do? I guess Invincible. Like, you you could beat Take Out Battery Man. That's the best <laughs> you can do. <laughs> you just yeah. remove it from its power That's all source. You got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, like late '90s Chevy S10 man, invulnerable. <laughs> yes, unbeatable. Absolutely, they're still kicking all of them. I found it to absolutely not be a coincidence that in The Last of Us, whenever uh, Pedro Pascal and and Ellie found that vehicle to travel across the country, right. it was a Chevy S10. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I found that to be deliberate because yeah. what else would be surviving right now yeah. other than? Mushroom people and a Chevy S10. Oh yeah, or ninety eighties and nineties Toyota trucks. Those things are still kicking like crazy. Oh Jesus my god, dude. and Honda Civics, man, late nineties, uh, mid nineties yes. Honda Civics. I saw Holy one the shit. other day that was tricked out, and I was like, "What is happening? Did I go back in time?" <laughs> man, speaking of Last of Us, considering that on this show, you know, mm-hmm. it is this post-apocalyptic thing. Obviously, resources and shit are really scarce. How come ain't none of these people killing one of these infected, these mushroom folk, mm-hmm. and then just sauteing them maybe with some butter Ooh, and oil? Nice. <laughs> Why not? Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, like it's not like eating mushrooms would would like give you the 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 fungal zombieism, would it? I don't guess because like it seems like it's it's from bite. Well, fuck if he can bite. And cause that, I would guess it's some sort of liquid inside, right? That's causing the issue. Maybe, Maybe if you cook it, though, know. it's safe. Listen, somebody find one of them cordyceps zombies and eat it. And then report back. 
Hey, listen to this, too, and I'll tell you. I know people listen to our show for our cooking tips. They enjoy this They stuff. do. They do. It's true. Um, Instagram has finally figured me out in that it's like, I don't know, I'll feed you a bunch of cooking videos and stuff. Yeah, so always I, I watch a lot of the cooking shit on Insta. And somebody was like, you know what you've been fucking up? Here's what you've been fucking up. Whenever you're sauteing mushrooms and you salt them as soon as you throw them in the pan. Yeah, that's a fuck up. That's what makes mm-hmm. them release all that mushroom water and lose a yep. lot of their flavor and shit. Yeah, also don't do it with uh, peppers and onions. Don't. Just saute oh. them first, salt after. Yep. Yeah, and you, so it keeps all the juices in and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it helps. Yeah, and that helps with the caramelization. You, you still need. You know, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, because otherwise you're just braising them in their own liquid, man. I was yep. I was shocked because I typically, yeah, throw them in the pan, hit them with some season and stuff, and you know go to town on them. Yeah, but I've done it this way a couple of times where you just put them in without any kind of yeah salt or anything on them, mm-hmm. and they retain all that moisture. Yeah, and they have such a better flavor and don't just braise in their own liquids or you know braise whatever else you're cooking with right them. yeah such a huge difference man listen i i love giving out cooking tips on the show one day we should just like uh go through all of our episodes and uh take our cooking tips and make a cookbook out of that wouldn't take long at all to do no what do we do we've done what uh 300 something episodes what are they two hours each eh, it's no big deal on average yeah probably <laughs> somebody just say, sit that's an down afternoon's work it's been 600 plus hours going through and finding all the stuff that is about cooking i would really be curious for somebody to like feed a bunch of our episodes to a bot and then have it like <laughs> rate write a fake dead and lovely episode i can imagine that that I like what? Oh man! I assume it's gonna it's gonna start with some non sequitur nonsense because AIs can't figure out humor fully yet. No, and then it's gonna move into talk about the week, and then it's gonna move into some sort of preview palace. Which from our preview palaces, what would an AI gather that's supposed to be? Uh, we uh, just talked about. Fake Mega Man bosses we did, before the yeah. Wicker Man. They For are the very Wicker disconnected Man, yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like we might break an AI. It could and be. I want you know to. what? It might not be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I want... That's actually my goal now. Someone feed us into an AI and tell us if it breaks. Yep. Let us know about it. And let us know about your um, weakest Mega Man conceptual bosses over on our, <laughs> our Facebook group. It's related, yeah. right? Weakest Mega Man conceptual bosses. I love it. it hey, I'll idea. tell you what, though, man. You never know what's going to take off because all of that Pepsi talk last week, the, the, the fucking Pepsi apology, man, that got you all talking. That got people fucking fired up on that Facebook group. Um, Let me tell you, I do I do think I, I want to do the, the, the blindfold challenge that people were recommending. Um, mm. but, but it can't just be Coke and Pepsi. Cause then it's a 50, 50 shot, right? So you, you got to throw in like some Sam's choice or, or whatever type of stuff. RC, uh, jolt, any other type mm-hmm, of cola. Yeah. But I, I think, I think I want to do this. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on trying it and turning it into a video for Patreon so I feel cocky, honestly. Yeah, I you feel think like you I could, could fucking smoke this. Okay. Dude, I'll tell you. Back in my, my regular Coke drinking days, back in the D, B in the D. Uh-huh. Sometimes 
my dad would like pick up a Coke for me on the way home because he, of course, had to stop and get his Marlboro Reds and a Mountain Dew because that, as far as I can tell, is all my old man subsided on was those things. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that was the diet back then. Uh-huh. R.I.P., mm-hmm. just as an addendum to that, of course. Yep. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so he would stop at a different gas station and like bring me uh, a bottle of Coke a lot of days. And I'm not shitting you. By feeling and smelling and tasting the bottle, I could tell you what gas station he got it from. Not joking. Really? I'd be like, oh, this came from... Yes. I'd be like, you got this from Carol's Grocery. You got this from the Exxon. You got this from whatever. Amico. Like, I, I knew them. Huh. So I I know I could fucking nail a fucking Pepsi challenge. That'd be no problem. I mean, I Zero feel problem. like now you, you kind of absolutely have to do it. It's like... I'm up here strutting that ass. I know, you know, yeah. Like you're just like, yeah. Of course, I could do it. Like if you do it, then like, of course, you've proven your point. Everybody just has to accept that you are the master. But if <laughs> if you fail, that that could be some entertaining stuff. I don't know. All right, maybe we try. All right, it. Mm-hmm. maybe we find out about it, Ben. Uh, but yeah, hang out on the Facebook group, share your thoughts, hang out with your boys, and all that stuff. It's the only reason to use that horrible website anyway. Yeah. So yeah, hang out with your boys on there. Now, Steve, let's talk about the subject of today's episode, The Wickerman from 1973. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll tell you this. Yeah. This was my first time watching this movie. Okay. But uh-huh. I wasn't completely unfamiliar with it because years ago, I had watched the remake with old Nick Cage in it. Yes. Uh-huh. And and they're boy howdy similar in some ways, you know. You know what? The title of the movie is the same. <laughs> I'd say a lot of the events are are pretty similar, but just way different because Nick Cage is there. I feel less like. bees, <laughs> definitely less bees, far less bees. Yeah, far less bees. Um, I yeah i I saw this back in the day, but I have more recently seen. The Nick Cage Wicker Man, which I saw in theaters back in the day, by the way. Uh, and wow. yeah, watching this again for the first time in a long time, it was like, oh, right. Yes, there was a great movie here. And there's a reason why they were wanting to remake it because they thought, oh, you know, if we could recapture how great that was, we'd make a lot of money. Uh, they didn't do that, however, because <laughs> this movie uh, is great. And that movie is who, buddy? I feel like somebody was like maybe, you know, some film exec was perhaps like playing a really intense game of like Hot Shots Golf for PlayStation and somebody was <laughs> explaining to him, it's like, hey, I got your next job. You're remaking The Wicker Man. He's like, hang on. What's that? Oh, uh, shit. I got to tee off again. Ah, it's okay. It's it's a horror movie. A guy gets wrapped up into a cult, doesn't know it. He's a sacrifice. It's kind of funny. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. Damn. Hole in one. I'm good. You know? And that's how this... <laughs> remake got made because holy shit yeah how the fuck did they make that movie off of this uh yeah i mean yeah i mean eventually we'll we'll cover that movie and talk more in depth about that but this movie is is really something it is it is um has been referred to as the citizen kane of horror movies though that was back in the 70s and i think maybe since then there maybe been some horror movies that would far surpass it in so far as like craftsmanship and artistry and whatnot 
Uh, I'm going to well, say this movie is a lot less boring than Citizen Kane. Just saying. <laughs> I, and I say I say far surpass it. That's not true. They would surpass it, but not by far. This is a well fucking done movie. Yes, it is, dude. And I, I kind of went into this not really sure about what I was going to be getting into. Um, we've not really done a lot of stuff from the 70s on the show, much less the, the early 70s. And anybody right. that's listened to the show knows. like I, I kind of have a natural... I don't know. I won't say dislike, but I don't naturally gravitate towards old stuff. Like there's something in my mind that's like, oh, time started in the 80s when I was born. That's when the good stuff and that's, started. And that's not old 43 no, years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not old at all. Uh-huh, I will okay. not be 40 next year. It's not old. Right, so right. that makes sense. <laughs> so like going into this, I kind of figured like a lot of 70s movies that it might be kind of kind of ugly and kind of slow and kind of dry or whatever but dude i I was hooked with this right away it was so Mm -hmm. much funnier and wittier and fast-paced and also like damn just bald face you know controversial than i figured that it would be this definitely yeah. touches on some some hot topics that we'll talk about in here as well well i mean the central event is the, expectations the burning of a christian cop is is is, is a pretty i guess radical idea but also when you put it's it that a way. radical idea <laughs> <laughs> i mean ultimately that that is the thing about this movie and as soon as the credits started rolling th- this is what i really had to sit back and think about is like i just watched a christian cop get burned to death and i don't feel bad for him whatsoever was it supposed to have this effect on me or am i just a fucking heathen uh i mean they they uh when they set out to make this movie so uh basically what happened here is that our guy christopher lee sour man himself um old sour man up there in the sour uh tower oh old count dookie um (laughs) <laughs> he, he likes green day just yeah, early stuff he does he um he had done a, a ton of hammer horror uh you know since the 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 late 50s uh and it kind of been in a lot of monster roles uh up to that point and he, he just kind of wanted to play uh, a more meaty role something a bit more interesting than what he had been doing um something and, where you can strut that singing voice yeah, I mean, for sure that that that's a positive. Uh, it, I definitely need to listen to his metal albums. I, I haven't heard them. <laughs> it's very but, silly. Uh, his voice is so awesome. Um, but yeah, so he he wanted to do that, and so he he got hooked up with Anthony Schaffer, um, and and you know they kind of had an idea of of just ma- making a movie with Christopher Lee that is a bit more. Um, uh, elevated, I guess, is what we call it now. But uh, he, uh, uh, Schaffer, referred to it as a, a more, a little more literate, is how he put it. Um, but a, a horror movie that is uh, more thinking, and 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 I guess dealing with actual like tensions and issues more than just blood and guts. Uh, and so they they had this idea. They they took it to Robin Hardy, who is the director of this, and and uh, the producer um, Peter Snell, and they they hooked them up with this um, already released book called Ritual, which was written by a guy named David Penner, who had originally written the idea as a film. Uh, but then it it wasn't getting picked up, so his agent said to turn it into a book. He turned it into a book. They 
kind of use that as the basis for this, though it's it's pretty loose. Um, but they they basically went into it wanting to make a uh, a movie about the old the old ways, the old religion uh, of uh, the British Isles, uh, and this is specifically set in Scotland, though. A lot of the the stuff that they're doing is more from English folklore, but it, it is uh, set in Scotland, and, and we're going for Scottish folklore here. Um, but it is like a made-up island, right? Yeah, absolutely made up. And, and uh, honestly, yeah, the, the, I mean, the movie even says that the religion that they're performing is, is pretty much made up. Though we're not, we're not sure if anything said by the townspeople at any point is fully true. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I guess when they're interacting with each other, they have no reason to lie. But when they're interacting with him or in front of him, they're they're definitely always putting on some sort of show. But um, I yeah, so the island wasn't real. The religion isn't isn't fully real. It's it's largely based off of the uh, uh, book about mythology, the golden uh, the golden bow. I don't know if you've mm, ever read yeah. that one. Um, I've heard but, of it. Yeah, it goes it goes pretty deep into mythology and folklore and stuff. But um, a lot of what they're doing, yeah, is is uh, based off of the the whole Wicker Man thing is based off of just sort of a couple lines from some Roman historians. And as we know about Greek and Roman historians, they will literally make up the most insane shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> usually it's just smirch their enemies right. and stuff. Usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is usually justification just for imperialism. But uh, th- there is Boy, some good thing that's changed. Yeah, a lot. right. Uh, yeah, um, there is some evidence of like human sacrifice and, and whatnot in the air this area, but it didn't seem to be widespread or common. Um. So it, it is all kind of made up, but it's also playing on at least the uh, the Golden Boughs uh, concept of of the folklore and, and, and mythologies of that that area. So a lot of it f- connects with real world folklore and things like that. But we're we're also dealing with the the concept of the island being that it is a a you know, uh, uh, going back to the old ways, like they've, they've come to this Island to basically, uh, <laughs> turn it into something. It's not like turn it into this, like uh, large fruit orchard. Um, and then they use this religion they've created as a way of keeping people happy and keeping the, the harvest going and things like that. And, uh, letting them fuck and they let them fuck. They let them fuck. It's so interesting because this movie is fully like leaning in like all folk horror tends to do on the juxtaposition of city and country, the juxtaposition of like nature and artifice and the juxtaposition pagan here. And Christian. Yeah. Pagan and Christian. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's, it's about, a uh, order and chaos. Like really, uh, the, the Christian in this, uh, our, our, I guess he's our protagonist, though. I, I would say he's the antagonist. Um, right? Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Neil Howie. He, I mean, when when you paint it as here is a guy who's looking for a missing child, it's real easy to see him as the protagonist. But I don't. When I watch this movie, all I see is an asshole cop um, 
treating people like shit, dismissing everything they say, invading their homes, invading their privacy, constantly uh, ignoring their pleas for him to go home and leave them alone. Yeah. Like, yes. To me, I just say, yeah, I can't see him as a protagonist. I, all I see him as is uh, a representation of imperialism, a representation of Christian chauvinism. He's He sucks. Oh, yeah. He's just a total interloper. And this is something that really kind of took me by, by surprise. I mean, going into this movie, you know, again, with it being as old as it is and as ingrained in movie history as it is, it's like, I know this guy is going to end up being a sacrifice at the end of this movie. Like right. I already knew uh-huh. how it ended. It's like when you sit down to watch Titanic and you're like, gee, I wonder how it ends. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know how this ends. So I was kind of taken aback whenever the movie starts and how he lands on this Island. And like the first thing that happens is he, he parks his aquatic plane in the water and he's like, Hey, you there, I need a dinghy to get to shore. And the guy's like, huh? No, you can't be here. You don't you're have lost. permission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're lost. Like, you're an asshole. Like, immediately everybody on this island is salty as fuck to him, especially mm-hmm. when they find out that he's a Christian. Like, right. they just treat him like a fucking moron. Well, but, uh, yeah, the thing is, they know he's coming in. He's the fool, right? He's supposed to, or at least their plan is, he will be the fool in their in their parade later on. And they are treating him constantly like... An asshole, an idiot. They are regularly telling him, you should go. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't come to this. You shouldn't go to that. They constantly are warning him, but his, like, I I would just call it Christian uh, hubris. Like that, that, that Christ is guiding him and that right. uh, He is, he is a force for good and right and justice. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, I'm the law. Good. I'm working yeah. on God's side, so yes. I have to stay. Uh huh. It's yeah. I. It's it's so fun then to watch these people on this island just clown on him and gaslight him and like the way that the teacher just really is like chopping up words and meaning and stuff to where nothing makes any sort of sense and nothing means anything. It's so yeah. funny. She is clearly just making fun of him. Oh, dude. And even the kids are in on it, too. Uh-huh. Like, when he goes to, like, check out, you know, Rowan's empty school desk, and there's, like, the beetle wrapping itself around the pole. Yes. Yeah, that's you, the, guy. The kids are like, yeah, that's you, dude. Like, we're doing this to you. Uh-huh. Did you see the maypole outside on the way right. in? How the kids are just getting wrapped up in this pole? Yes, we're doing that to you right now. Yeah, I, I think that, like... That when you look at it that way, and I, I think that like maybe in 1973, you know, because we know how people reacted to The Exorcist, maybe in 1973 to a lot more people, it was like, oh my god, I could be that guy, like you mm-hmm. know, being because of my faith in Jesus, I could end up in this situation, and that would be so terrible. Uh, but the people writing it were trying to keep the. Uh, representation of the people on the island as objective as possible so it's really up to the audience do you see the cop as an asshole or a martyr and i see him as an asshole it's a real rorschach test yeah i really feel like this movie is a rorschach uh, inkblot test where you're just Uh watching it and at the end it's like so what did you feel about this was this a good thing or a bad thing Uh that happened who was the bad guy here like were the islanders bad people and it's like Uh well 
It's kind of up to you to decide that. And it's all left so vague and objective that I really do feel like some people could watch this and just be like, this was just tragic. He was manipulated and he was just trying to do the right thing. And and then other people would be like, yeah, he stuck his nose where it didn't belong and just tried to fucking force himself into all these situations. Mm -hmm. People told him to leave. He stayed. Should have just left. Yeah. Uh, And and a lot of what sells that is Edward Woodward's performance as as Sergeant Neil Howie. He's... High on my list of people that I would be so worried about if I ever needed him urgently right after I had like dental surgery and my mouth is numb and I had uh-huh. to call for help and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's certainly <laughs> one of the few people you could call for help if someone was drowning you in a tub. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm coming. Oh, you're just drowning. Wait, let me help you. He says. He's a hero. He is. Yeah. So don't worry. Edward Woodward will come running if you can't get your words out. That um, guy, dude, he he is so convicted in this role. He plays this great. role with such fucking yeah. conviction. He's fantastic. And he, he really does. Like, even though I don't care about him, in his lead up being like pulled up, led up to the wick, the wicker man, he fucking, he is, he is making me suddenly sad for him. Where, like, I'm like, right. oh, he put all his faith in Jesus Christ, and now here he is still screaming for Jesus, still hoping that Jesus is going to do something. It's like, no, brother. <laughs> it's not yeah, going to happen. You're on your own here. You're on your yeah. own here. Yeah. Apparently, too, like, leading up to the filming of that scene, the filmmakers had asked him, like, hey, do you want to see, like, what the Wicker Man looks like? We built it over this ridge or whatever. And he was like, no, I don't want to see it. I want to keep it real i want to keep my reaction legitimate for whenever uh-huh. we film it so whenever yeah. he comes up over that hill and he's like oh god oh jesus and stuff like there's a little bit of like reality actually, mixed in there yeah that's awesome i mean because it, it feels it feels very now but like also the way he plays this christian cop feels like christian cops i have known who are yeah god just so regimented so so like stick up their ass (laughs) yeah beholden to the law and the christian law and 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 having nothing nothing of fun in them this guy is in no way fun the closest he comes to being fun is when he is almost seduced by uh willow like that's the closest And that was another out they gave him. It's like, we need a virgin sacrifice. Let's make sure this guy knows he can be unvirginated at any time with this gorgeous innkeeper's daughter. Let's make it clear. She would love to. This lady loves fucking. And clearly, the entire (laughs) pub is singing about how great it is to fuck her. And there's a scene (laughs) that uh, is in the final cut. I I got a chance to watch the final cut because uh, I I was reading about it. And I was like, oh, I got to see this. Um, in the final cut, there's a scene where Lord Summer Isle comes to Willow's window with a young man and offers him as, as a sacrifice to, um, Aphrodite, goddess Aphrodite, who he, he refers to Willow as the goddess Aphrodite, uh, and the, the sacrifice being the young man's virginity. It's, um... So he goes in and, and has sex with her and you can hear like 
Like everybody in the tavern as he walks in, like you can see this like look on all the men's faces, like, you know, we, we know what's happening. And they start singing a song that's kind of about what's happening. And you see Really? Yeah, and you see uh Howie in his room just like trying to kind of shut it out, basically. <laughs> it's it's a real interesting scene. It's weird that they cut it out because it does provide a lot of context as to what like what Willow's role is in this community. Huh. That that's interesting. Yeah, because all that we get in the theatrical cut, which is what I watched on Shudder, is <laughs> God man, I swear. It's so weird and awkward because here's the innkeeper and his beautiful daughter in the room. And suddenly, like, every guy in the room just starts singing a song about, like, we've all definitely had sex with her, even uh-huh. just saying her name gives us boners. You know uh-huh. how it is. <laughs> the best thing is her ale, I mean, her pussy. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not, there's not a lot hidden in any of these songs. Like, all the songs, essentially, are about sex. Um, but th- this is, yeah, very clearly about sex with one person in front of her dad. And it... It interests me because one, it's 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 about a culture without shame about sex, and that's great, right? But yeah. there's another way I was looking at it, specifically thinking of Lord Summer Isle addressing her as the goddess Aphrodite, and the way that all the men have had sex with her. It's seemingly they all seem knowing about having sex with her, and I know this is not within like the mythology of the movie, but it just got me thinking. Is she a goddess? Like, is she uh, is she actually the daughter of this landlord? I mean, the landlord clearly seems queer. Um, mm-hmm. He's the only male character uh, who is addressed by a first name, and that name is hmm. Alder, which is a gender-neutral name, and it, it's a tree. All the women are named after trees and flowers and things. Yeah. I, I do just wonder, like, you know, we don't get any inkling of who her mother is. Um, no, I wondered about that. I was like, what happened to mom? Where's she at? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I just wonder if there's, you know, if we could could read a history here where uh, Lord Summer Isle's grandfather shows up on this island and runs into this goddess who introduces him to these practices. Like, I mean, it's, it's again, not in the movie, but it, it got me thinking as I was watching it, like... What is the relationship here? Because, again, the landlord does appear to be uh, a queer character. Whether or not yeah. he is, I don't, I don't know. But he 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 definitely comes across as queer. And Yeah, everything else in the movie seems so deliberate that that seems like a choice. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I don't think that... Um, I don't think that queerness would be shunned in this society either because uh, among the people in the the um procession later you have the man woman who essentially leads the procession and is is represented by the the you know the highest person the 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 priest here so yeah and yeah and it's a representation of this duality and then the the other two sides you got the uh what is it the the man beast which is the hobby horse and you got the the man fool which is punch um and and those kind of seemingly represent our own uh, uh, naivete and our own like I guess carnal desires and things but the the man woman seems to lead everything and yeah it seems to be this like melding of of man and woman and this recognition of like 
uh, I don't know, femininity and masculinity being uh, within all of us. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think that, that this this cult clearly clearly seems far more open about sex. I mean, people are just fucking in the lawn when he walks out of the, the tavern. Uh, oh, dude. Yeah, just plumb everywhere. Out there everywhere. in the grass with them them bugs and the dew and so on. Woo! And it's, it's uh, uh, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, I certainly did. It's all women on top. Which is something that seems to be a oh. part of this um, this whole order is that the the women seem to be in almost all of the major roles. Hmm. Uh, the men uh, largely aren't like other than uh, Sergeant Howard. We know his name and and the landlord. The men are all just addressed by a title in their last name. The That's women true, have names. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting, interesting cult thing that our cult, I guess an interesting, like religious thing they got going on where, you know, Lord Summer Isle says they, you know, they basically know that these things aren't fully true, but we don't know if he's being honest or if he's obscuring the facts with the, yeah. the detective. That's a question that I really had about this, that, that first conversation, uh, that, that that Howie and Summer Isle have uh-huh. is so nuanced and so complicated oh, and man. really, really well yes. acted, really well scripted. Um, I mean, a lot of it, Summer Isle is just cutting him down and just uh-huh. intellectually dominating oh, the God. fuck out of him. It's great, yeah. But, but doing it in, in kind of a nice, welcoming way. Where he's he like, is, yeah. It, it was so <laughs> novel to meet a Christian cop. <laughs> Right. Like he says it in a way where it's like maybe that was nice, maybe it well, was really not. Yes, but what he's doing, think about it, think about it from the perspective of the non-believer. The way that Christians talk to either non-believers or people who believe in some other religions, the way they dismiss as just novel and curious their ways of yeah. thinking. How could and you stuff. believe that crap? Right. And the way that he does it to this Christian asshole. And like he yeah he is he is just cutting at him just like he says uh what girl would not prefer the child of a god to that of some acne scarred artisan which is clearly a reference to mary and joseph right like he's clearly saying like yeah joseph knocked up mary and pretended it was god's baby Um, but that's what's so well done too right there is that you know, during that conversation where Howie is so clearly just disdainful of these primitive, stupid things that these people believe in, like these girls jumping over a fire to become impregnated by the god of fire or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I mean, your god was impregnated not by a man either. He right. was, she was impregnated by God. That's where so, she came from. Yeah. How yeah, is this it, more ridiculous than what you believe, dude? The movie does constantly juxtapose reli- like Christian religious beliefs with these uh, pagan ideas and it constantly shows like you're no different. Like in, in like showing that, you know, him that scene where he is in church taking the the, you know, um what's that, communion? That that is a representation of a human sacrifice. I mean, if you believe in transubstantiation, you believe that the priest is like calling down Christ and and sacrificing him again on the altar, and the 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 bread and the wine you're drinking are literally his flesh and blood. Yeah, like right. So th- this character, this this Catholic character, it has no ground to stand on when he's talking. You know that sacrifice is bad or whatever. 
Right, but he's he's, just so blinded by his own piousness. He's like, no, I'm definitely right, and you guys are the crazy ones. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Uh, and the way, yeah, he just won't entertain anything. He's so strident in his beliefs. It's interesting because they they named him Neil, which uh, means like a a champion or passionate. It it has like, um, it has it has roots in irish and in old english etc but we also know it for being a a homonym to the word kneel as in you know kneeling right. to pray um so he 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 comes in as this like strident defender of christianity um and he's he's so like dedicated to christ that he doesn't entertain the possibility that any of what they're doing is good or right and he has mm-hmm. to force his belief on them like when he goes into the 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 graveyard and he makes that cross to put on the the grave it's just like oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's just forcing this religion on them and forcing his own morality and stuff on them it's so hard to I mean, it's just so hard to see a character like that as anything but the villain. Oh, yeah. Well, and I can't help it, too, but, you know, wonder about how much this speaks to, you know, people from the uh, um, from the from the greater Britain areas, mm-hmm. as this is set, and, and how that reaction must have been to the the influence of, of Christianity as it came into these islands and knocked out all these pagan and druidic and heathenous ways. Right. Um, I imagine that was probably not an easy transition, and they probably treated these Christians as hostile as the people of the summer. Yeah. Uh, and should fucking, have. Uh, yeah. God damn it. I've ju- I just lost the name of the fucking island. Summer. Summer Isle. Summer, 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 summer Isle. Thank you. Fuck. Uh-huh. I was like, summer, Summerland Place. Uh, <laughs> summer Isle. I was like, uh-huh. I-, I imagine those Christians trying to convert all of these people from their heathenous ways were probably treated with as much hostility. Yeah. Yeah. And should have been. I mean, what they were bringing was the death of culture, the death of of their beliefs, the death of everything they held dear, like, and and, and what they were replacing it with. I mean, like, if you came into a place where where people are like, oh, we, you know, we feel close to nature, and we we uh, don't feel shame about our bodies and sex, uh, and <laughs> your first inclination is like, all right, well, you got to stop that shit. You gotta stop yeah. enjoying yourself. First thing you need to do, frown. Can you frown? All right, you're on your way. Give up the fun stuff. A guy that got nailed to a cross in the Middle East said so. <laughs> yep. People are like, what's the Middle East? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I it's it I, I mean he there, he has nothing to offer to these people. He brings no. nothing but uh just pure stubborn hubris and it's you know it it is a reward at the end to me like seeing him sacrificed i'm like oh good good these people get to keep being their wonderful like nature loving uh free open selves and this guy is no longer an issue thank you yeah all right, that works out pretty well for them at the end uh-huh. of the day. Even even though, you know, the the religious order that is declaring it okay for them to do such things 
you know, Christopher Lee makes it clear, like, yeah, my grandfather kind of made this stuff up. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is again, one of those things that the more I think about it, the more interesting it becomes. Because in the movie, you know, he's like, yeah, my grandfather was a man of science. He figured out how to cultivate all these plants that don't usually grow here and makes this a bountiful island known for its, you know, fruits and vegetables and all this. Uh-huh. Um, but he's like, but ultimately, you know, just to keep the people of the island appeased... Yeah, we went with these pagan rituals and stuff. It kept them motivated. It gave them reason to work. And part of me is like, okay, for one, that could be all bullshit that he is feeding Howie. That could be 100% lies. Because obviously, nobody on this island has a problem bald-faced lying to Howie. So maybe that's all untrue. Yeah, yeah, I do Then it's also just exposing the entire mechanism of why people in high positions of power love presenting religion because it's just easy population control to yeah. stimulate a good economy and keep the people fucking happy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I Which think- brings us to the, the portion of the show uh-huh. that the people that review us on iTunes ultimately love the most. Uh-huh. It's called Ask Steve, Is This a Capitalist Nightmare or Not? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean... Okay, you could definitely read this as as uh, uh, an inescapable uh, society. Like, if you're born into it, you're kind of stuck in it, right? But mm-hmm. I think that what we see here is that they largely share um, everything. I don't see a lot of people working hard. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds great. That sounds wonderful because they have enough and they're sharing with each other. This is, in fact, maybe uh, some attempt at, at, at communal living. But, yes, if he is lying to them entirely, yeah, it gets sinister. It does get sinister. I just believe, though, that he's not lying to them. I think he's lying to Howie. I think that what he is doing is because Howie keeps getting so mixed up in, like, wanting to um judge their culture and call them heathens and stuff and i think by by dismissing some of it 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 kind of alleviates a little bit on howie's mind because honestly if a religion to christians if a religion is obvious nonsense well great now i can you know come in and and uh you know fix all these heathens um, so I think he's just kind of assuage his feelings at the time. I don't believe that he thinks it's fake. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I like about that, though, is that it is kept so vague. Again, at least in the theatrical cut that I watched. You were talking about the cut that had the Aphrodite references and stuff. But in right. the version that I watched where there's none of that, mm-hmm. I, I love how there is nothing overtly supernatural that happens. Like, there's nothing that happens that's unexplainable. Or like, oh, shit, were their gods really real? Is this really happening? Like, there's nothing whatsoever. And and even with the cutscenes, there's... Yeah, yeah, you don't have to see it in any way supernatural. That's that's just me thinking that maybe maybe that could be what's going on. But, yeah, it, it is all... It's all well within, like possibility it it could be a reality that's what makes it i i I don't know it's what makes the island feel alive in in a way like it really does feel like a culture it really does feel like these people live there and i mean the 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 intro thing that 
thanks uh, Lord Summer Isle and the people for for their help in making the movie or whatever. It's basically yeah. like based on a true story sort of thing. Like, That's pretty hokey. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's still I like it's cool because it uh, it really does feel like it feels kind of like any of those like um, uh, uh, adventurer things from like the 30s and 40s where you got guys going into you know the Serengeti and stuff like that or or whatever and basically looking at civilizations from this documentary um viewpoint it it almost feels that way like the movie is not judging this culture it's showing to us but it is showing the fantastical nature of it um and and guiding us along so like it it feels kind of like this explorer adventure narrative like he he's getting in to the you know getting into falling into this uh tribe of people who do human sacrifice and that's exotic and scary um but that that is also part of folk horror which is something i want to talk about because I, I did watch uh woodlands dark and days bewitched on shutter which is a documentary mm. about folk horror and folk horror is is dealing with that a lot. The idea of a a people that are out of place in time or culturally, uh, like the idea of running across a a town. I mean, we we have a ton of this in in American literature, especially in in Southern Gothic literature, of running across you know a town or a people that are backward or uh, uh so extremely different in some way that it's it's as though you're you're um observing something otherworldly and yeah and they're all typically very very unified and very homogenous and all very on the same page and right mm-hmm. shielded from outside influence yeah yeah so i mean this this has that feel but it doesn't it doesn't feel as sinister to me in the way it's presented it really feels like it's trying to take a more objective scientific approach like hey we actually did find these people on this island and these are the events of what happened while we were there uh and there's no judgment passed just like look this is their this is the their celebration this is the thing they do and by the end of it like good i'm glad they do that that's really cool (laughs) (laughs) dude one thing that you know this really blew my mind with is just how many movies have taken from this. Like I, I honestly oh, yeah. feel like movies like, like Midsummer, which we adore, uh-huh. absolutely would not exist without oh, this fucking no. movie. This this folk horror, you know, subgenre of horror, which is kind of founded by movies like this and Blood on Saints Claws and uh-huh. Witchfinder um, General. Witchfinder General, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Me and uh Dead and Lovely Listener, our good buddy old Kev Bickerdyke. Yeah. We're having a conversation about this. He he gave me a lot of really great info and awesome. uh, insight into these things. He's obviously much more well versed in this than I am. Yes, yeah. And this movie is just such a such a cornerstone of this genre. And like and like I said, I look at it now and I'm like, holy shit, this influenced so many movies that I like directly ripped off from this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the the processional with the the animal masks has been recently ripped off in that pet cemetery remake oh my god how stupid was that (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah no people have been paying homage and 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 using imagery from this and using ideas from this for for a while now and it's some of 
it's created some of my favorite movies and i yeah watching that cult horror documentary or folk horror documentary which again i recommend it's on shutter it's three hours but it's well worth it uh i just walked away with a list of awesome movies i need to watch because folk horror seems to be my jam man <laughs> it's largely yeah, no kidding yeah it's largely about pagans and witches and and all sorts of sorts of stuff that i just really enjoy and i'll also tell you what during my my conversation with Kev, we also dreamed up something that trademark Dead and Lovely and Kev Beckerdyke really fucking needs to happen uh-huh, because okay. we were talking about how amazing the Wicker Muppet would be. Okay, <laughs> just imagine a movie where a um, you know a really uptight copper played uh-huh. by Michael Caine goes right. to an island Michael of Caine. pagan Muppets. Mm-hmm. Pagan Muppets. I love this already. Holy shit! Why isn't this a thing? Right? Oh. Like, somebody fucking make this happen. Tell me Man. that wouldn't be incredible. Can you imagine Miss Piggy tits out doing that dance and, and singing that song? <laughs> God, that yes, sounds fucking awesome. And can you imagine, like, like Michael Caine is, is talking to uh, fucking Gonzo and he's like, I seen you in a graveyard. You was fucking <laughs> them chickens, weren't you? It's how natural it is. Like yeah. he just walks in on on yeah Gonzo <laughs> with just a huge chicken orgy in a graveyard. Fuck yeah, I love it. Yeah, make this movie like this fucking rules. Make this. <laughs> Kermit's of course L- Lord Summer Isle, so that's gonna be fun. Yeah, I oh, love yeah. this yeah, idea. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> the Wicker Muppet coming the soon. The Wicker Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also surprised by how much fucking music and singing there is in this it's like as much as a fucking muppet movie dude there's so mm-hmm. much stuff where the soundtrack is like uh well you know sometimes it's just overlaid and it's this very traditional folk sounding music right. and then a lot of times in the movie there are people singing these songs of their people and shit i was really taken aback by just how much music there is in this Corn rigs and barley rigs. Okay, and dude. Corn rigs that song, are barney. That song about all them rigs <laughs> got so good to me because if you've hung out with me for 10 minutes, I've already said the word rig yeah. at least a dozen times. At least a dozen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something I, I picked up from the guys in Whitechapel actually back in the day. You can use the word. It's like rig is like a way anything. to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's like item it's like uh-huh. parentheses item it's like uh-huh. oh i got myself a steak and baked potato rig for supper <laughs> it's like you can use rig to replace literally any word right it's like yeah. oh man i just fucking smashed my dick rig on this banister <laughs> like anything my so dick when this guy's talking about corn rigs and barley rigs yeah. i was like yeah man fuck you yeah. know what <laughs> this mf spitting <laughs> <laughs> That's Bobby Burns. Uh, he, he's been he's been spitting for a while. The the Scottish you know. Um, he I I like the music a lot. It, it really is one of those things where like I love a good musical. Um, I hate a musical where I like the music just seems to come out of nowhere and doesn't make sense. At no yeah, point, it'd be better watch. if you just said what you meant You're instead right. of singing it in a song. Yeah, right. But at no point watching this was I like, why are they singing now? It was just like, yeah, of course they're singing now. Duh, like so much. <laughs> of course she's so playing much. like drums with the wall and the fucking uh, dresser and the bedstand and whatever. Like it's awesome. I I love it. I love when they start singing in the end and Christopher Lee just has that gigantic smile on. It's so awesome. 
Oh, dude, he's not sour at all. He's no, sweet man at that point. He's going from sour man to sweet man. <laughs> Absolutely. I was thinking about it like afterwards, and I was like, man, there sure was just a lot of songs in there, man. I mean, there's songs that are like back to back with other songs where there's like right. the song with the boys about the maypole and the uh-huh. fucking here's a feather, it's a bed, there's a woman, right. there's a man. Like they sing that whole circle of life song, and then somewhere else, somewhere else, uh, somewhere else, somewhere else. Yeah, like <laughs> how he goes into the schoolhouse where the girls are singing a song that's like about the Maypole and shit. Like there's just songs on top of songs. And at first I thought that was really kind of a, a silly, weird choice. But then I got to thinking about it and I was like, considering this is a, a strange man in a strange land mm-hmm. kind of movie where, you know, again, we have this th- this very staunch uh, Christian copper that goes to this island of heathens where everybody is so unified and everybody gets along and everybody's on the same page with everybody else. If if you're that person and you're surrounded by a bunch of people that all know every word to every song that they're singing and you're the odd man out that doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Right. That makes you feel even more outcast. It right. makes you feel even more like an interloper where you're like, I am not a part of this fucking community. I know I know my hymnals uh-huh. from uh, from the hymn book back in uh-huh. my in my church or whatever. I don't know anything these people are talking about, saying about whatever. Yeah. I, I think it was very effective in making him seem even more like a like a fish out of water. Well I can tell you what they're singing about on almost all occasions. <laughs> Fuck Bonin. Bonin getting it done. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, this, I mean, this is a spring celebration. They keep showing us hairs and talking about hairs, which are a representation of fertility because hairs be fucking, um, be banging. Yeah. Uh, the, it, it, every song. Yeah. is about, is about sex in some way. Even the maypole itself, which we're told in the movie by the teacher is a phallic symbol, but you know, even that itself, the, the, um, the way that the, streamers coming off of the uh maypole intertwine and get tighter around the maypole as the song intensifies is again just sex there are people just fucking it is sex it's about sex and they brought the most repressed guy possible in yeah (laughs) and they were like bro you could have sex and he was like not interested and they were like all right we're gonna burn you to death (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you're sure you don't want to, then fine, man. <laughs> yeah, you pointed out earlier that it's like, this is the real 40-year-old virgin. Yes, this is what, yeah, because 40-year-old virgin, you got Steve Carell. What, he's he's a cute guy who has a, a consistent job, has his own place, keeps it nice and clean. That guy would get laid. This guy, yeah. I understand, is a 40-year-old virgin. I absolutely get yeah. that. That makes all the sense <laughs> in the why. world. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gonna fuck you, dude. <laughs> nope. Not interested. <laughs> Which I'll tell you, man, I'm just gonna say as a piece of advice for anybody out there, because I, I know I know a couple full grown adults that still got that V card. And yeah. now I'm kinda worried about them getting abducted oh, no. by a cult. Because well, they're okay. obviously very useful. Now think about I'm it this saying, way though. Ditch that V card as fast as you can. It oh, might absolutely. just fucking save your life. Absolutely. Get rid of it. Um, think about it this way, though. If they do get taken to that island, then uh, Britt Eklund is going to offer them some peaches and cream. And I can't imagine anybody's dumb enough to be like, no. Because, hey, <laughs> Britt Eklund, boy, that that is an attractive lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. No, I that whole... 
dance sequence and everything i was like i am so glad this is on celluloid i know that is uh that is a butt double which if you check the imdb trivia section you'll find out that that is pretty much what people want to talk about is that there was a butt double um dude like <laughs> fucking 70 percent of the imdb trivia is concerning the butt the on butt this double on this double. holy Which, shit hey i i have no complaints but uh, yes. Well, apparently, Britt Br- Eklund did. And yeah, I'm Brit- like, what are you complaining about? That double had a good butt. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, a time period where having a good butt wasn't necessarily a good thing uh, among among uh, a lot of uh, people because, you know, you they want were to be wrong. Co- you want to be cocaine skinny. No ass. Mm, Get out of here. Um, disagree. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that uh, I, I really love just how much... That what they're doing, because like the nudity is sometimes associated with sex. Like she is when she's dancing naked, she is trying to seduce him. Um, but then also they show us uh, after we see all the, the the people fucking outside the the pub in the lawn, um, we see a woman in a graveyard naked mourning someone. She's yeah, just nude. Yeah. She's just nude. Okay, she's mourning someone. He looks at it with disgust. He's disgusted. He sees a woman mourning someone that she clearly misses, and he's disgusted by it because she's not dressed appropriately. You're like, doing it wrong. Right. You're it's, sad wrong, woman. Yeah, it's cl- <laughs> Yes, it's clearly showing what a fucking asshole he is. Like, I can see, again, if you're coming from the Christian specter- perspective, you look at it and you're like, oh, how inappropriate. And it's like, well, yeah, that's you're wrong. That's wrong. This is a woman who's mourning. It doesn't matter what she's wearing. It doesn't matter if she's not wearing any clothes. Nudity doesn't have to be about sex. It can be, and sometimes it isn't. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like it, maybe don't look. Yes. Yeah, asshole. You're the one walking around, like, trying to find people, weirdo. For real, right? (laughs) Yeah, again, he is totally invading everything. Man, when he walks into that schoolhouse and, like, clears off the chalkboard that that teacher had written and shit, like, I'm like, dude, you suck. Like, Uh surely I'm not supposed to like this character at all. No, uh, I don't but you're right. So. The Islanders have like zero shame about sex, and no, I feel no. like even the way that the movie itself is just so brazenly upfront with nudity and showing people having sex. I mean, it's not like explicit or anything, no, but it's there. It definitely doesn't get you know artsy angles or anything with you. Know, like it, it shows you what's going on. I feel like it's even kind of putting the viewer in in Howie's shoes, where it's like, should I be shocked by this? Should I right. be titillated by this like what's what's going on i i even love how like like with Britt eklund you, you said you know she has that dance scene and stuff she's trying to like seduce him through the wall and all that uh-huh. shit i love that like the next day she's on front street about it she's like i thought you were gonna join me last night yeah I thought you were like, she's not me. like yeah you know like secretly oh I, you know i'm in a cult i secretly tried to cast a horny spell on you but i'm not gonna talk about it i'm gonna no. leave it mysterious she's like man how come we didn't fuck last night like <laughs> yeah come on yeah, All right, your loss. I do recommend uh, it, next time you you watch The Wicker Man, check out the final cut or the director's cut, which I think is a little bit longer than the final cut, uh, and see that scene where it, it is confirmed that like no, she's she's like way into sex and like that's kind of her role here. She likes to have sex. She likes to, I guess, uh, help people relieve tension. Help people. Uh, uh, and you know, she's going to have sex with this, this young virgin man. She's helping introduce him into the world of sex or whatever. She sees herself as, as, as 
being helpful and, and doing a thing she enjoys. And yeah, he sees it as like a seduction attempt. Like she's not, she's not su- seducing him to evil. Like she's giving him an invitation to live. She's like, yeah. could you could you could live, you could live your life, and not just live in the sense of not getting sacrificed here, but actually live, like actually enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. A, she's amazing. I think I think that character is amazing because it it, it recognizes a, a very important role uh, of sex and, and people who enjoy sex and people who are not shamed uh, in, in sex, like. I think that's very awesome, especially, yeah, yeah. we're talking about a movie that, uh, 1973, I mean, yeah, you know, we go back to the seventies and of course there is a lot more racy stuff than you might see in say the nineties, but, uh, this, this is really going for it. This is definitely going for fucking free love, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely some leftovers of the sixties kind of free love area yeah, here. Uh-huh. And also just, this was totally a part of that wave of very anti-Christian sentiment that we had going on around the time of movies like this and the exorcist and a lot of these other flicks that were just very boldly uh, talking down about Christianity. I I feel like that is something that would fucking not fly now at all. No, yeah, I think you'd you'd get a lot. Like, I mean, essentially, yes, if you released a, a movie right now that was about how great it would be to burn a christian cop uh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely there would be like see this is what they want to do to us type of shit this is the Uh, future the liberals want (laughs) well (laughs) but i feel like this movie like you said like a movie where a christian cop is burned to death and we're as an audience not really supposed to feel that bad about it i feel like this would not get made now i I think that we're yeah kind of at, at, at the you know hopefully near the top of a wave of religious fervor, at least in the States. And these things come and go. I mean, it's like, dude, just like, look at, look at the history of the U S and all the times that we've had waves of Christianity that ride high. And then that's Uh followed by just, yeah, fucking anything goes era. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, when a bunch of adults get together and decide like, yeah, we don't want our kids to have like, uh, exposure to literally anything that might be enjoyable. Uh, that the kids then um, rebel against that. And then yeah, in the next do. generation, they don't maintain that because they realize how fucking dumb it is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that kind of parenting doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It is terrible no. parenting. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is kind of sort of like that, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was surprised by how just brazenly anti-Christian it was, as well as how comedic the movie was there was stuff in where i was fucking yeah. laughing my ass me off me too i mean any when summer isle was like clearly clowning on him it's really funny uh i laughed my ass off when they start singing that final song because it's so happy and they're like singing it so joyously and he's burning to death in a wicker man I felt bad for the fucking little ducks and goats and pigs and stuff. Yeah, in there. I, did. I felt bad for I did. them. Yeah, yeah, I did too. They they didn't do anything. They're not the fool here. Man, some of that dialogue that Christopher Lee has though is just I mean, bitingly intelligent and satirical yes. and just fucking hilarious. It also took me a while, by the way, to recognize which character Christopher Lee was. Because oh. when I think Christopher Lee, I think a yeah. fucking sour man himself. Yeah. But like I knew that he was in this movie. And he shows up, and I'm like, 
Is that him or not? He's got yeah, this, what's up this with fucking that hair, hair, dude. What's up with that hair? I know, and like it's his, so weird. His voice is like much less sonorous and deep and booming right. than Saruman. Yeah. And uh, it actually wasn't until, I think there's that scene where he's with the teacher and like she's playing a piano and he starts singing a song and he gets his Saruman voice out <laughs> when he starts singing. Yes. Which yeah. makes me realize, like, I guess Saruman was just his singing voice the entire time. <laughs> He was just start, like if if he just like went a little bit harder on it, he would have been singing all of his dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that like uh, I I so weird when yeah you know someone for a particular hair color, uh, gray or or white particularly because you know you've they've gone that way and you see them with their actual hair color. So often it's a shock. So often it's like whoa, yeah. that's weird. You look better now. I think. He yeah, looks really, better you with, more like with the white now. hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's amazing. He's fucking Yeah, he's so fucking good. Amazing in this dude. Yeah, I I um yeah, I mean cuz again as I said in production of this like it really was kind of about him getting a chance to do something a little more meaty and a little more serious and fucking nails it. Like he's so good with it. He he's like he's doing so much without doing a ton. Like you can tell like that there's like, he's clowning uh, this, this cop, but he's not being overt about it. It's just kind of something in his voice and the way he says stuff. And then he finally gets to the, just fucking dropping any pretense line. And it's just like, God is dead. <laughs> in modern parlance, he blew it. He blew it. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's it's a well written character, but also like Christopher Lee really just bringing a lot with with not having to say a lot. Like he really puts a lot of uh, emotion and playfulness into into his voice and his his face and stuff, and that really makes the character. Uh, yeah, but I think I think both uh, both. Christopher Lee and Edward Woodward said that they consider their roles in this to be some of their best work. So they both were bringing it and and you can tell it's easy to give all the glory to Christopher Lee. um, But like, yeah, yeah. Like I said, Edward Woodward, like even though his character isn't likable by any means, he is so goddamn effective at being unlikable. Yes. Um, He's so good at it. And dude, we were watching this movie and it was like maybe, maybe 20 minutes in I turned to Kate and I was like, man, I wonder if fucking Simon Pegg based his, uh, what's his name? Lieutenant Angel or whatever from Hot Fuzz. I was like, Uh I wonder if he based his character on this guy because he's so uptight and by the book and shit. Right. And then it's like, oh no, that's 100% the inspiration yeah, for that character. Absolutely. And also, I mean, yeah. Hot Fuzz All is Hot Fuzz. basically the Wicker yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz is interesting in that it like plays on a lot of the folk horror traditions, but it's very much set within the, you know, confines of this very meticulous town. Uh, yeah, Hot Fuzz is a movie we have to do because we we've done it's Shot so of the good. Dead. We might as well do the whole Cornetto trilogy. But yeah, might as well, yeah. W- without having seen um, this movie, you would wonder where did they come up with all this. But yeah, they're they're doing a whole lot of the Wicker Man, and just yeah, Angel is so much Howie, uh, except that he learned. I mean, Howie of course doesn't learn his lesson. He doesn't learn to be 
different or to change his ways. Whereas Angel does learn like, ah, I have to be a, a little more loose or whatever. A uh, little more bad boys. <laughs> yeah, little more, a uh, little more, uh, you know, better ending for his character. Right. Than, yeah. Uh, exactly. Than Howie in this man. Yeah, dude. I I wondered about this too, where you know the locals, like we said, are all so fucking salty to him. Everybody mm-hmm. is so sassy. Uh, uh-huh. I, I wondered about this, where I was like, okay. Were they being that salty to him and that obtuse on purpose because they knew it's only going to entice this Christian copper to stay oh, yeah. and uh-huh. solve the mystery and show us the right way to live and shit? Yeah. Or were they being that way to give him a chance to leave and give him a fair, like, look, we're not making you stay. Like, right. Nobody here likes you. <laughs> I mean, they basically, they they took a Christian and put him on the martyr's path and said, like... Here, here's every exit along the way. Like, here it is. You don't have to be the martyr. But like tons of Christians, he's like, no, that's why I do this. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, they kind of they kind of give him what he wants. I, I think Christopher Lee even points it out where he's like, a motto's death is what you seek or some shit uh-huh. like that. Where it's yeah. like, well, yeah. There you go. What you here want is. is to be persecuted and martyred and shit. Uh-huh. So. Well, there I mean, you go. It's a hero's death. <laughs> it's a hero's death. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think the ending and, and the death are so fucking perfect. It's interesting that uh, Anthony Schaffer wrote a, a potential sequel in which the cops show up right in time to save him from the, the burning wicker man. Really? <laughs> yes. And he ends up fighting a dragon. Oh, okay, that took a twist. What? Yeah, yeah. There is an actual sequel that was made in 2011 by the Whoa. director, Robin Hardy, but I, have, I haven't seen it, don't know much about it, but it is, it's more of a spiritual sequel, as far as I understand. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. So, one thing that I had questions about, as far as, like, the locals' plan for, for Howie, um, who, set, who sent the letter that instigated this entire thing? about the the missing girl who sent that i'm guessing lord summer isle i'm guessing it 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 it, the whole setup was they had basically were looking for this christian cop i assume they had done some research and he was the one that they they thought might play the role and uh did they scout his twitter page like how did they find this guy? <laughs> that's I a, that i do wonder how did they find this guy i in the 2006 one isn't it like uh they send out girls to have sex with guys on the mainland and then the guys on the mainland are told that they have a daughter out on this island i think that's how they do it and this i think yeah and this there's not a lot like if you see the uh the um the wicker man the the full version or or the director's cut there it doesn't start with the plane it starts with him in church which, uh, oh, the flashback that he has when he's like trying to well, fight his his horniness. Yeah. Well, no, it, it doesn't show. It's not that scene because that scene's still in it. So it, it's a different oh. scene of just him in church. So basically, he's gone to this church and then I guess gone home, got on his uniform, and then went to go check this out. Um, that does a better job of establishing, you know, him him as a this Christian character. I don't, but it doesn't it doesn't do any work. As far as I 
can tell in explaining how they chose him. And I can't really think of anything in the film that really indicates how they found this one particular guy. Or is it just that that's a commentary on the police force itself? Like, if they were looking for a, a martyr, that's where you go. It's going to be these mm-hmm. Christian cops. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, it could be. I, I do like that there's stuff that's unexplained in the movie like that. Oh, I'm yeah, okay. me too. Like that, that doesn't seem like a plot hole. That just seems like stuff that wasn't revealed to us. Yeah, it's uh, just some moral depth we don't behind. know about. Yeah. Yeah, and there's even all kinds of like little, you know, signs and rituals and shit that are never explained. I mean, even starting right. with like the the evil eye that's on the dinghy and uh, Which, there's that lady who's like breastfeeding a baby and holding an egg. And okay, that's I have never comment- explained whatsoever. <laughs> I to have us, commentary the on both of those. One, the evil eye <laughs> boat was a fisherman who just owned that boat. One of the fishermen oh. that they where they were shooting, that was just a boat he owned and they were like, "Fuck yeah, perfect." Um and then uh, the, the the second one, the lady in the cemetery uh, nursing and holding an egg. Um, th- in 2008, in an interview, uh, Robert, Robin Hardy said that he he envisioned that as like a fertility ritual, like she was she was trying to get pregnant again. Hmm. Yeah. So, but again, okay. yeah, the movie doesn't explain that. It's just an image. It's just images you see, and you're like, you're supposed to take something from this. Um, hmm. and I, as far what I took from it when I, before I read that was just that it's like this, uh, juxtaposition of, of new life and death and how like all life ends, ends in death. Um, but yeah, it, it, it isn't explained and so much, so much of the imagery and stuff, just no explanation. Yeah, but it feels like there's depth behind it, but yeah, we are uh-huh. just as clueless to it as Howie is. It kind of puts us in his shoes a little bit. Again, just like with the songs and stuff, where we're right. truly like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on here, but they all <laughs> right. seem to. Yeah, everybody here gets it. And yeah, the, yeah, you're right. The fact that nobody needs to explain all these things, because everybody gets it, and they don't want to explain it to these outsiders. This, they keep telling him they don't want him here. They don't want him there during the celebration, etc. Like... So, yeah, they're not going to explain it to him. So, we just, yeah, we're just kind of left in the dark in a fun way. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, one area where I do side with Howie, and I do go against these pagans, I Aww. stand with Howie in his dislike of canned vegetables, all right? When uh, Homegirl yeah. said food uh-huh. isn't everything, I was right. like, speak for yourself, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, one, if, if, if Britt Eklund said food isn't everything to me in 1973, I'd be following her back to her room. But I thought that there's implied <laughs> stuff there where it's like, yeah. oh, you've got other things on your mind. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what she yeah. was saying. Yeah, like she said, I'll get you some peaches and cream and then said food isn't everything. Like, you know, come on up here. Um, <laughs> anyway, but you're right. Like, yeah, uh, I think that's great, too, because it does like it does show that he's he's an okay detective but he's not that good at it and he's the reason why he's not that good at it is because he doesn't allow himself to look past his christian perspective um Mm. because like he he's eating canned vegetables and so like he does eventually put together oh they had a bad harvest last year's picture wasn't up i wonder what last year's picture was then he does that investigating finds last year's picture sees rowan in the picture puts together oh they're gonna sacrifice rowan because last year's harvest wasn't good enough like that that all kind of like plays out 
in a way where it's like you see him detecting, but you also see like he could have probably gotten there quicker if he yeah. had just like <laughs> I don't know, just let go for a second of being a Christian to be an investigator, but he he can't do that. I love just seeing how worked up he gets with everybody around him. Like everybody on this island is just being so obtuse about everything. Where he's right. like, "Did Rowan die?" And they're like, "Well, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> define die. Right. Like maybe not how you mean." <laughs> like I just kept waiting for him just to like shake somebody and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> well, that's what Nick Cage does, right? Like, yeah, that is, that's... <laughs> he punches a bunch of ladies. I, I honestly like. Not that we're talking about that remake yet, but when we do get to talk to that about that remake, I think there is some genius in that film, and I think it is associated with American imperialism and the war in Iraq very much. With the amplification of of, instead of him being this like, even though I'd call this guy an asshole, he only uses words predominantly. He's not out here slapping everybody like Nick Cage was, like. Nick Cage is amplified. He is he is more dangerous. He is more scary. Um, He's using and, physical force, too, right? Yeah, yeah. And th- this movie is clearly making some uh, commentary about British imperialism. Uh, and so for for Neil LeBute in two thousand six to say, well, okay, well, I'm going to make commentary about American imperialism. A guy who is out of his jurisdiction and doesn't have any legal right to be there, um, kicking in doors and knocking people around. Sounds like the Iraq War to me. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like very American stuff to me, right? Yeah, uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. It's just such a fucking interesting movie, dude. Like, it's not not really scary. I mean, it's tense at times, and it's mysterious, but, like, there's never anything that jumps out at you. There's, like, virtually no blood in it. Really? Yeah, they. Oh, I mean, they were uh, actively trying to stay away from blood and gore to keep it more like elevated. Uh, and this is interesting. I mean, because like, w- you know, people talk about elevated horror today, and I think we've all largely people in horror are just tired of the 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 idea that any horror is elevated above any other horror because it's all it's all readable like anything with just tons of gore in it might be making any sort of statement you don't know uh but this is kind of yeah like they're they're consciously trying to step away from just blood and guts which they know sell to make something deeper about the old religion and, and and about these you know uh you know the juxtaposition of city and and country and and paganism and christianity and all those things like by going into those themes and those depths, like you're not really missing the blood. You don't really think too much about it because there's so much else going on to think about. Um, I can't see any, like, I can't see anything that any reason why you throw some gore or blood into here. Like what would be the benefit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause only one person is getting killed and it's this fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes. And and as you said, it's not scary. It's not scary to us. But if we were Christians, I think it might be scarier, right? Like cuz if you were on Howie's side, yeah, it's probably right. pretty scary. Yeah, cuz honestly, like he is there about a missing child. 
So, like, <laughs> the fact that we're not on his side is is proof of what an asshole he is. Because his his right. entire mission is a child witnessing. I'm trying to find the child. <laughs> and we still don't care about him. <laughs> uh-uh. Nope. Even though his cause is essentially noble. Yeah. Seems we're just. Still just like, yeah, fuck this guy, though. You yeah, know? He sucks. <laughs> I, I love it. Like, I really, really Same. enjoyed this movie so much. And it's also pretty short like it moves along at a nice clip it's not overly long i think a lot of movies from you know the early 70s like this a lot of them get very long-winded where yes, you're just like okay man like we don't need this much story we don't yeah, need this much backstory uh-huh. on everybody this i thought moved along extremely well yeah i think so too i i um i don't even i mean it's only about an hour and a half so that is that's perfect but i, I don't re- think can't really think of a moment in the movie that i would think of as a lull no, me neither. Not just all. There's always along. some kind of like new information or some new manipulation that's getting added in at like a nice yeah. steady stream. Um, I think it moves along, yeah, very well. And, and again, just those messages about uh, about Christianity and how it has moved in to so many you know pagan civilizations and just disrespected and completely obliterated and wiped out their culture and wiped right. out their monuments and wiped out their practices or just flat out assimilated them and been like, Oh no, I, I do that too. It's same. Just right. across. It's fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think that it's really cool to see a movie this old taking that subject on because I, I feel like we as a, you know, as a human race have not really talked about this enough how religion just obliterates cultures as it moves in yeah uh i think we need to talk about that more because it's not good (laughs) yeah i mean i think i think you know the people are talking about it a lot more and have been a lot more in the in the past 20 years but it still needs uh, it's still not hitting people enough that like our the the values of a particular group, specifically Christians, um, or the values of a particular country, specifically Americans, or in this case the British, uh, those values they don't translate, and the, like they're they're you're not making a good thing happen by forcing a culture to accept new values. There you're you not. go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like the people of this island. I don't think in any way are portrayed as being sinister or perverse or no. anything bad. Like they're not fucking he sees kids it that or anything way. awful. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it is just regular old uh, paganism that never, <laughs> I mean, can't say never hurt anybody. There certainly were <laughs> some, hurt some people. <laughs> Probably hurt some people. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, you don't. You just don't get to come in and, and and instill your values in people and make them forget their culture and who they are. Because again, like you're just it, it's you're setting apples and oranges against each other. Like you're really like yeah, they're two completely different things. They, they share very small similarities, but you no culture is right. Like we just can't determine that no culture oh, yeah. is correct 
Well, so, and you can't just expect to have that imperialist attitude where you just kick down the door with your set of values and expect to be respected and act right. surprised when the people yeah. of those lands and those cultures don't instantly respect you and revere you and play by your rules. Like, don't yeah. be fucking shocked, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say you can't just do that, but Christians keep doing it. So. We keep doing it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Maybe yeah. you can? Question mark. But you should. You really should. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. There no. you go. <laughs> awesome movie. I really, really, really fucking like this. I will watch this many, many, many more times. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a lot of complaints. I mean, I guess it's not. It's not really like a gorgeous movie, but again, not a super high budget, and a lot of movies of that time just. It just kind of looks like a seventies movie to me. I think. I think it's well shot. I mean the the. They're they're definitely films with more color and 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 more vibrant stuff going on from the seventies. I mean, we've you know talked about Kubrick films and stuff like that. So sure. yeah, there's a lot more going on in, in some of that. But I compare it to something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a year later, and and I think well shot. But as you said, it's it's not gorgeous. I, I'd say I'd say this is is prettier than than texas chainsaw massacre definitely shot on yeah. <laughs> good film stock and and, and done by professionals it, it, it looks good uh but yeah the the visuals aren't as striking as say a dario argento movie from around this time right you know but still totally functional serves the job and stuff here you got anything else you want to say about it you want to slap a number on this thing no, I, I'm, I'm ready to slap a number on it and uh I, I love this movie i don't have if any complaints i think it's very important and it is obviously influential on a ton of movies i love and i Hell can yeah. say that i love it as well so ah, uh, man i mean well, I if I have no complaints, it's a ten. I, I don't know. It's an A. It's an A plus for me. I love it to death. Right? Like I love the singing. I love the nudity. I love fucking uh, folk horror. I love all of it. It's it's great. What about it's you? hard to find complaint with it. I totally totally agree with that. Like I, I I don't even I don't really know why I don't want to give it a ten. I guess it's just such a rare place for movies that are like truly. Right like a part of my consciousness yeah, and, I, and I've just seen this one slut. time. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just give them out. <laughs> <laughs> one of them dime sluts over uh-huh. there. That's me. So I'm going to say like nine. Um, yeah. Fair. It's a nine for me. It's really, really fucking awesome. I'm really glad I finally got to watch it. Um, again, obviously a very, very important movie. And I like so much of the messaging of what's going on in this flick. And I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Let us know what you think about the flick over on the Facebook group, our Instagram, our Twitter, all of our other social media outlets, which you can find through our link tree page. That'll also direct you to a site where you can exchange dollar papers for more content and a chance to make the movie about the show that we'll do a podcast about <laughs> on an episode. Right? That's it, right? That's right. Head on over there, patreon.com. Uh, become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon-exclusive episodes. Um, just put up a Treehouse of Horror episode on Friday. Uh, Emily and I did Treehouse of Horror 2, The Simpsons, uh, Season 3. Um, go check that out. Also, we're going to have a Hell Rankers on evil dead coming out after we see evil dead rise so check for that sometime friday or saturday all right oh and but also evil dead rise yeah oh, sorry, uh, sorry I, I forgot if you if you want to become 
uh, a five dollar patron, you get to throw a movie into the smoking bowl, and then we draw oh. from the smoking bowl and cover that movie that we drew from the smoking bowl. There you go. The next mm-hmm. episode could be yours. yours. So sign up today. But the next episode, as I, I spoiled during your uh-huh. talk right there, next episode we're going to be doing a uh, semi deep dive mini episode on yeah. this new dang old Evil Dead Rise. Yep. That's coming out in the theaters. Uh, we're both going to go see it Thursday and try to find a time to record and put that episode out for you guys next week. I, mm-hmm. uh, As I've said several times already, I do not have high hopes for this. I, I think it looks pretty shitty, but hopefully they have buried all the good parts and kept <laughs> those as a surprise for us. Yeah, I, I didn't like the trailer, but I ignored, I just ignore trailers. So I, I'm going in just uh, believing, because uh, a spoiler for the, the hell rankers of, of Evil Dead, we're, we're including Ash versus Evil Dead, all that stuff. There's really not a, a dud in the bunch so far. So hopefully right. this isn't one. Yeah, hopefully they keep that streak going and don't tarnish uh, the Evil Dead name, man, because uh, if you've listened to our Evil Dead episodes, you'll know we love we Evil love, Dead yeah, long time. Absolutely. Evil Dead, so fucking awesome. So I, I, yeah. I really need it to to at least be entertaining. Uh, and I, I, I'm, going in, I'm going in fresh and just putting that trailer out of my mind because it did look pretty generic. Right, but we'll yeah. find out about it next week on the show, and hopefully you guys will join us then. Uh, where I will be Uncle Ben. And I will be Hollywood Steve. Woo! And you guys will be dead and lovely. We'll catch up with you all then. Goodbye from Soraman. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Thief Dream House. I don't know if there are any criminal Barbie dolls, but there should be. There should just be like uh, a lion ass Barbie and like <laughs> corporate medical executive Barbie, big pharma yes. Barbie. Yes, I love it. I love this, and I hope that Greta Gerwig explores this in the Barbie film. That I do want to see. By the way, looks looks. Oh incredible. my god. It looks like it's going to be surreal as fuck. I have yeah. no clue what the story is, but nope. I'm definitely going to find out yeah. about it. <laughs> I hope it's about the Nightmare House. The Nightmare House, yes. Home. Dude, for nightmare real. Home. I mean, honestly, it's like I wanted to talk about the Nightmare House, but the more that I think about the Dream House, I think that's actually scarier. It is scarier. <laughs> yeah, the the Nightmare Home has four walls. That's that's Barbie's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Nobody what? Can see in. <laughs> How would they know about my great appliances? <laughs> and my smooth spot. <laughs> See, she's trying to make a statement about nudity and how it's not inherently sexual. So she had her nipples removed, her butthole sealed up, and her cooter removed. And now, like you, do. you know, she's just like, see me world and the world's like all right barbie you're a kook N- nothing to see here barbie 